1: Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Cam Barry and Tom Peavy with me, TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Fun show planned for you today, a little bit of everything, a little college football, a little pro football, and a little college basketball as Auburn Basketball has an exhibition Oops. tonight against AUM and Go Warhawks. We, <laughs> uh, I'm an alum. I well, have to say that's that. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and so we will be chatting with uh, we will be chatting about Auburn basketball today. And also to do that earlier this morning, we had the opportunity to interview Coach Bruce Pearl. So in the five o'clock hour today, we will air that ten or eleven minute interview with Auburn head basketball coach Bruce Pearl. So I want to stay tuned in for that. Again, that'll come up in the 5 o'clock hours. We talked about the season upcoming. So we'll get into a Auburn basketball today, six days from their regular season opener in the Sanford Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So we'll talk a little bit of everything, Auburn football, Auburn basketball, some college basketball, college football, pro football, maybe some World Series, as there is a team with a 3-1 to lead, that being the Texas Rangers. So... Uh, a lot of good stuff to get into here on this Wednesday edition of the show, first show of November. Of course, if you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one eight nine tiger 9 Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here on this Wednesday. Start with you. Cam, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well.
2: Uh, it's just been a, a tiring six days, a week, whatever, how many days. Um, but, uh, been, been pretty good. Uh, just, uh, you know, ready to talk some college basketball. Uh, I'll be at, at the, uh, Auburn AUM exhibition game. Um, I won't be there too late cause I have to get up in the morning, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna pop in and just kind of see how, uh, how things are going. And, um, yeah, so, and it should be a good one, a fun one to watch an entertaining one. I uh, had an interview this morning at my other job with Coach Michael Chaney, and, and he was he was talking about just how fast and physical, um, you know, this Bruce Pearl team is just after watching some film and things like that. Uh, so he's very excited to to play them and, and learn about, uh, you know, get some stuff from his team and see how they can hold up against this SEC team. Um, uh the this sec team so uh it's, it's very exciting um you know it, it, uh ready to talk that and and talk a little bit of uh, auburn football as well as we're getting ready to face off against vanderbilt that'll be a uh definitely an interesting one especially considering the the comments that hugh freeze made about how he's kind of scared to play at vanderbilt uh in nashville because you know he just always feels like that's a bit of a tough environment in a trap game but I don't even think he realizes how much of a following Auburn has up at Nashville. In all honesty, he's gonna he's gonna go up there and realize, hey, we have about half the stadium is is in here that's Auburn fans, so uh, should be a good one, um, and uh, you know a good opportunity to continue the right track that you've built against Mississippi State, coming off a great game uh, from uh, Peyton Thorne, uh, a great passing game, uh, and you know you want to be able to capitalize off of that. Um I, the the one thing that I wish would have happened was I wish they would have stayed aggressive. I know they didn't want to make too many mistakes, but I feel like they made a mistake in not making too in trying not to make too many mistakes and got and getting conservative. I know Auburn still won by two scores, but I just felt like you you should have kept your foot on the gas because this often this offense doesn't have much gas this offense hasn't had much gas so you want to put as much into it as possible i feel like to see what you can get out of this offense when it's operating at its at its highest potential and it was operating very very well i thought i thought you know in the third quarter beginning of the fourth quarter auburn just got really conservative and i was not a fan of that i felt like you should have put your foot on on their neck and continue to try and beat them uh as as best as possible i i get you're trying to be you know a respectful opponent but you got stuff that you need to see within your offense because you got uh, still you got a a few games going forward that you need to uh to to win to become bowl eligible and to just feel like you've had a successful season uh if you're auburn so um but all in all i'm doing well um you know ready to talk all that stuff with you maybe a little bit nfl because the falcons have a new quarterback starter uh at quarterback so maybe we'll get into that as well but yeah i'm doing really good Tom Peavy, how are you this hey.
3: afternoon? I'm doing good. You any uh candy
1: corn last night or
3: uh I may have eaten a few pieces of candy corn. Excellent. you like candy corn Tom? I do. What is with I well, needed to I needed
2: to have that conversation with Brandt because he's been tweeting about how he likes candy corn. Yeah. And I just don't understand that. So I, I need to have that conversation. See, I'm with and see
3: I'm the guy that like I don't understand how people don't like it. It's it's awful delicious. It's just not
2: good. Oh, T P you agree
3: with him? Oh god. It is so good. You guys it, it, are it's mad like men. luscious honey. It's not. Waxy no. luscious honey. I, what?
1: I, I did not realize I would open up this can of worms yesterday. uh today. We no. talked a little bit about it yesterday. I, I can't get behind this. Yeah. It's good uh, stuff. Cam's definitely the one with the strongest negative
3: opinion. I, I ate a. I but. ate a few pieces of candy corn and then uh went and saw what was going on at Fat Daddy's on Halloween night, kind of a slow night up there, but uh yeah man I'm yeah, just ready to talk some more sports and we've we've been going at it all week, and I mean, we still haven't even touched uh, a lot of the stuff going on in the sports world, so ready to get on it.
1: yeah what uh what what, what would float your boat to start with today? Do you have something in mind? Do you just want to oh, I Auburn. Hey, Auburn. I got an idea. Auburn. So, yeah. Well, yeah. We usually
3: start start well. with Auburn, so we can start with Auburn. Uh, I, I will say this: I, I liked uh, I liked everything Cam was saying to start off because that's exactly what I was what we've talked about uh, since Monday's show about Auburn in the fourth quarter. There <laughs> is that I. I understand what free said in his post in the, in the uh, uh, press conference. I understand it. I don't agree with it. Yeah, uh, I, I think that, I think the offense could have done a lot more in the fourth quarter there. So much more. I,
2: I just I just feel like you you just
3: you should have pushed it more. You should have just pushed it a little bit more.
2: I, I just think that 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 was your, your best just to see what you can get out of the offense because you were operating at such a high level early in the game. You're saying, man, you know, we're getting all these open passes, and I know Mississippi State's passing defense wasn't great, but you played into it and kind of swung the momentum in their favor a little bit as you started to run the ball because that's what they were good at stopping. So I thought that was something that just frustrated me a little bit. I just felt like we were, we were playing just very, very, very conservative uh, in, in, in a situation where you
1: didn't need to be. Uh, all right, with uh, let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today because we might have a take uh, another take on candy corn here. Let's uh, let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line for first time today. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you this afternoon?
4: Man, hey, doing great, guys. I hope y'all had a good Halloween. I tell you, I actually take off Halloween every every year because we've got we've got thousands of trick or treaters. I spend over two hundred dollars in candy and worry huh. that I'm going to run out.
1: That's awesome! Wow. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I'm glad that community uh, community's all on top of it then.
4: Yes, yeah, sir. Well, and uh, but let me tell you, I didn't give away one piece of candy corn. I could care less if they <laughs> ever made some. But Tom, thank you. But my wife, my wife and daughter love it. Okay? okay. But hey, Tom, I'm with you also on. I call them Mary Jane's, but I think that's just a a brand name of those peanut butter candy. They come in that. Oh, I'd rather eat the black or the orange paper yeah, than the, the... eat what comes. In that.
3: <laughs> Mary Jane's?
4: Yeah. Huh. I mean, if uh, that's what everybody just called them, but I think it's like
3: called them trash. Calling a
4: Pepsi or Coke <laughs> or something like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but anyway, but let me tell you what the absolute worst piece of candy you could ever get at Halloween is, and Tom, maybe you're the only one that knows. Did you ever get any of them orange fake peanuts? I don't even yes. know. What you know I think of them. Brooks oh, talked
1: gross. about this yesterday, didn't he? Awful. Yeah. Another awful oh, candy.
4: Terrible. Oh, my gosh. We put them in the street and line them up and run over them with our bikes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gosh, it is horrible. Horrible. But hey, um, one thing, real quick. And I was, uh, what, Georgia's number two in this new poll that came out?
1: Sure. Yep. And
4: uh, Ohio State's there. Some people are complaining, I don't care. Like I say, I hope we're still in there, Georgia being uh, there at the end. And I would like, I guess, if it ended the day, which it can't, because, you know, Michigan and Ohio State, one's going to have a loss, right? Right, right. And so, uh, But if it ended like that, wouldn't that mean that Georgia plays Florida State? Because I guess, what, two plays four? No, one two. and four or two and
1: Yeah, one and four, two and three. Yep.
4: So we'd play Michigan again.
1: Well, yes. I do.
4: Well, and they already know all our plays, you know. So, but they know everybody's play. I can't. If Jim Harbaugh skates out, gets to the end of the year with this, that's going to be so. I don't know what's the word. It's not even aggravating, but I mean, like I say, okay, he doesn't know nothing. But there is too much stuff going on for somebody in charge not to know something. Right. You know what I'm saying? If, 100%. if, if you say, like you say. There's commanding generals, naval captains, naval admirals getting fired every day because some, some guy jumped off a dang aircraft carrier. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't even know where it is. Mm-hmm. You know, So, yeah, if you're in charge, you got to have some type of responsibility.
1: Right. So, and did, uh, did you see the latest thing with Stallions, that he was maybe on the Central Michigan sideline uh, for the Central Michigan-Michigan State game earlier this year? Right. Dressed incognito. That.
4: But now let me tell you. It's so weird. I dang. I had a spare second and I was, uh, I don't know what I was doing. I was pulling the steed, flipping through every dang internet heading that came up, you know, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden uh, now they're saying there's ball boys on the sideline. We're like holding up the ball in the right hand for a pass or holding it in a left hand for a run play, you know, on the opposing sideline,
0: mm-hmm.
4: you know, it said that the, Coach was warned, and they even said that, like, uh, um, uh, what you call it, uh, TCU was warned, and they actually put in, about the ball boys, and they actually put in fake plays. Yep. You know, so uh, it's, it's just unreal. I mean, to cheat like that, like you say, I mean, I could care less if Michigan wins or whatever, but if you're going to, you know, to get on top that way, that's just not right, and I sure hope, gosh, wouldn't that be so cool if uh, he can't go to Las Vegas or something and coach up there because they say, man, we don't need your baggage? That would be <laughs> something. I mean, I just don't know. But, hey, and speaking of that, I'm not an NFL guy, mm-hmm. but I had it on ESPN radio or something this morning, and everybody on that show was saying Dion Sanders to Las Vegas. They said he might not win, but it'd be a fun show. Uh, surely not. Surely even Mark, it's Mark Davis, right? Uh, yes,
1: yes. F- yes, Mark Davis. Now, yeah. That, yeah, they, said, gone,
5: yeah.
4: they said Al Davis would probably hire him. Yeah, but they, go, they don't believe that Mark Davis would hire him. But this, this, what a ride Deion Sanders has had in the past, what, five years? I mean, he was something before. But, I mean, like his name is in the running for – Every job that comes available, and I know Tom wanted him there in Auburn. Like you say, he would have got all the press he needed. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I I think that uh, the the NFL thing there. I mean, they. I, the, he's that's, already said uh, he doesn't want well, to go. Well, also, NFL. I just yeah, I, I don't think I don't that's why that. uh, money talk. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, but I think he's more about he's definitely more about influencing the younger, like younger kids yeah. and, like, players and, and developing them right. into into proper young men. I think that's kind of, like, right. why he enjoys the college scene. I got you. So, yeah,
4: and well, it's, it's got to be two different things altogether. together. Right. It doesn't bother Harbaugh, though. He'll just go. No, yeah, Harbaugh will make it. that jump. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, and he better, I think. I think he better do it, I think. Hey, um. also, I went back and checked some podcasts because I, I missed a couple shows and stuff. I don't miss very many. But I was wondering, did you all hire Steve to uh, for a segment like useless information that nobody cares about? Did he take over like what AJ <laughs> may have left off or something like that? <laughs>
1: uh, no, no I, there has been no hiring. Did there. Not,
0: okay,
4: I'm sorry. I just I just assumed because he's on there every day telling me about dang, some dang wooden hockey stick to how it was created or what the curve on it means or something. I just didn't know. So I just I just like I say. I like Steve, and I just want to make sure if he is a regular on, I could at least, you know, what time he comes on every day. I didn't know if you all had a set schedule or not. <laughs> but, <laughs> not quite a set hey, schedule,
1: but he, but I know he's on the I, line waiting right now.
4: Yes, sir. Okay, well, tell Steve I said hello, and you all have a great day. But, man, like you say, I love the trick-or-treat. And, and, and Milk Duds, somebody said that yesterday. Yes, Milk Duds, yeah. definitely a Halloween candy. But okay. I love them. Those are my favorite. Yes, okay. sir thank you all for taking my call we'll talk to you later now
1: absolutely jeff appreciate that phone call that is jeff from columbus joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line and we're going to head to our first break of the show today when we come back again a couple more callers waiting on the orthopedic clinic phone line so we'll get to them next here on the wednesday edition of sports call tiger 95.9
0: Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn.
1: I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The sports call tiger 95.9 the tiger.fm and the tiger communications app ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry tom peavy with you here on this wednesday tp hammock running the board and taking your phone calls and speaking of taking phone calls let's go right back to the orthopedic clinic phone Ryan line right now at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 9 tiger 9 next up james from montgomery james is with us james how are you this afternoon
5: i'm good and war eagle war eagle yeah, I'm actually uh waiting for this World Series and I'm just gonna see how my Texas Rangers are gonna take this game for uh this game for uh tonight and I'm hoping that this will be the first time in uh, Texas Rangers history that the uh, Texas Rangers will win the World Series as well.
1: Yeah, they uh, they won Game 4 last night. They have Game 5 tonight, up three games to one. And so <laughs> you're right, one win away from winning the World Series. I, I'm hoping the Rangers get it done for you, James. They're very close.
5: Yes, they are very close indeed. And with this uh, one win away on Game 5, I'll probably put the Texas Rangers up there with like the 1986 uh, Boston Red Sox because I think they have looked they look like a good team and I'm pretty sure that they might make it back to the World Series next year as well and in years past as well because I mean this team uh, most people they were they were uh, saying that they were uh, talking about the Texas Rangers weren't you know the Texas Rangers from uh, 2010, 2011, and 2012. And I was like, you know, I've been telling people, don't, you know, whatever, whatever people think about the Texas Rangers, the Texas Rangers this year is their year to win. And I've seen some, I've seen some uh, World Series over my time as being a baseball fan. So this one would take the cake as well.
1: Yeah, uh, no, Texas, I would put them even above the '80s Red Sox. I know uh, one of those years they lost in the World Series, but uh, when you win the title, uh, I think that you're automatically over a lot of teams that. Uh, that even went to the World Series. So, uh, yeah, no, Texas would obviously, again, it would be a historic moment for their franchise uh, winning their first World Series and uh, still got to get one more, though, so we'll see if they can pull that off tonight.
5: Yes, as well. And then I know that y'all were talking with another caller before y'all got to me. I know he was talking about uh, Deion Sanders actually making a trip out to uh, Las Vegas. I'll probably say that Las Vegas, uh with their head coach i mean i know it's going to be hard for las vegas to actually lose a great coach like that but i don't know who they're going to actually uh, replace him with right now i i'm i'm just um i'm just looking at some names right now i'm looking at maybe uh tom brady i'm looking at him as well i know he's not playing in the league and i think he he would look like a good head coach for the las vegas raiders as well
1: I don't think Brady's going to want to end up coaching. I mean, he is going to be uh, a, a minority owner of the team. He's going to be a, a small fraction owner there, and uh, I, I don't think that uh, coaching's necessarily in his future, but we'll see what they end up doing. McDaniels is a good offensive coordinator, but he's just not proven to be a head coach in the National Football League, and uh, they're making some some pretty big changes there. They're not going to start Garoppolo anymore. Uh, a lot of changes there for the Raiders, so I, I you know, I, we'll we'll see where they end up going. I think Antonio Pierce is going to be their interim coach. I think I saw uh, mm-hmm. a former really good NFL linebacker, but yeah, no, they they've got some soul searching to do because that's been a, a very disappointing sequence there for the Raiders.
5: You yeah, know, because I know the the Las Vegas Raiders, they they look like a a good team to bounce back. I'm not quite sure on the Super Bowl. Um, I don't want to put the Raiders out there in the Super Bowl um, waters just yet. So I'm just going to see um, who who's going to actually step up before uh, the Super Bowl actually uh, comes to comes to the light as well. So I'm just looking at some teams. I'm looking at Atlanta making it to the Super Bowl. I'm looking at the um, Buffalo Bills making it to the Super Bowl. I'm looking at the uh, Dallas Cowboys making it to the Super Bowl. But one team in particular that I will not want to see in this year's Super Bowl would be the Kansas City Chiefs. I I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs would make it back to a Super Bowl as well. I mean, they did have a good run, but it's time for another team to actually make it to the Super Bowl
1: as well. Yeah, we'll see about that. You know, I I certainly don't love the Chiefs anymore. They're fine. I don't dislike them. It's just when teams win a lot, I think it's normal to get some sort of fatigue. You either hop on a bandwagon or you start to go the other way. I mean, people did not hate the Patriots in the early 2000s when they first were winning. And by the... End of the 2010s, I think everyone couldn't stand them. That wasn't a Patriots fan for the most part. So uh, that sort of dynamic does happen a lot. And if Kansas City keeps winning, more and more people will love them, but more and more people will dislike them too. Uh, but they are going to still be in the running, though. They're still really good. Uh, still have a couple questions at wide receiver uh, that, that, that do need to be solved. But the good news is there's no one in the AFC, there's some good teams, there's no one in the AFC I'm convicted by to beat them just yet. I know Jacksonville has a good record. I know Miami has a good record, but they do have some flaws too. So uh, I think that Kansas City's is still very much in the running, and I think that it should be a very good AFC playoff picture.
5: Yes, as well, because I'm actually looking at um, Atlanta because I know they play the Minnesota Vikings at home. So I think Atlanta would win this game as well because um, Atlanta looks like a Super Bowl team. Um, I don't know when they've been to the Super Bowl. I think it's like 1993, 1994. Um, I'm not quite sure. Yeah,
1: they went a few years ago, James. Remember, they had the... Uh, the, the uh, sorry to our friend Canberry. They had the historic collapse, the, the 28-3 to lead uh, against the Patriots. And the Patriots came back and won. I think it was like 2016 or something like that. So, yeah, they they went about eight or nine years ago. Seven or eight years ago.
5: Yeah, as well, because I'm actually going to be uh, looking at some teams this weekend. And um, I know this is going to be a hard week. I know this is week nine. So week nine is actually going to approve some of these guys this year as well and then with week nine in the nfl i know some uh, some nfl fantasy owners are going to be really upset because i know it's going to be kind of hard to you know pick some of the guys that they play from week uh seven and on Mac as well so i just have to see what the fantasy owners will say as well because i know it's getting close to to the, um, you know, it's getting close to trade deadline as well. So it's coming up real soon as well.
1: Yeah, I know uh, trade deadline and fancy is up to each uh, each league. The trade deadline in the NFL did pass yesterday with a couple of trades, mainly Washington getting involved in selling some players, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I think that we are obviously getting to the midpoint of the NFL season. It is time for some teams to make some moves in positive direction if they're going to end up in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and it's an exciting time for the league right now, and i I think there's a lot of great storylines, but you're right, the fantasy part of it, there are uh, injuries accruing at the quarterback position, a lot of different quarterback changes, even healthy guys being replaced this week, uh, both in Atlanta and in Las Vegas. So, I mean, you know, there there's certainly some shifting around going on.
5: Yes, as well. And then with Auburn versus – uh, Vanderbilt, I'm seeing that Peyton Thornton, you know, I think he's going to look good this weekend because I will be watching that game this weekend as well and uh, seeing what Hugh Freeze is actually going to do. So, I mean, this is a really tough team in Vanderbilt. So, I mean, Auburn has played Vanderbilt before, but this is a brand-new Vanderbilt team. And, you know, Hugh Freeze, he, he's really going to, you know, bring bring a lot of uh, cold to to uh, Nashville as well, and um, I know that Auburn wants to go back to a a college football playoffs, but they just have to slow it down and take one game at a time as well, so it, it will be It'll be uh, Hugh Freeze's time to actually make it to a bowl game as well.
1: Yeah, I think a bowl game is a good place to start this year, and I do think that Mississippi State win is instrumental in doing that. I figured they'll beat New Mexico State for a fifth win, and now all they've Mm -hmm. got to do is beat either Vandy or Arkansas for a sixth, and they might very well beat both those teams. So uh, I think they're in good shape to make a bowl game now. Uh, I know that's not the end goal, but it is a stepping stone and and, uh, is at least something to build off of in year one.
5: Yes, because I'm actually going to be watching um, Arkansas and uh, seeing how Arkansas is going to how they're going to play. But I'm I'm just seeing Arkansas is not going to win at home, so I'm I'm actually going for the other team that Arkansas is playing against this weekend as well.
1: Yeah, that would be the uh, Florida Gators, and that game is in the swamp this weekend.
5: Yeah, so I think the Florida Gators, I think they're going to have some some good eating because I know they're going to eat a lot of um, pig skins as well. So that's why I just had to put that out there because I know they're the Florida Gators and the Arkansas Razorbacks, so I think they're going to eat a lot of uh, – I think the Florida Gator fans, they're going to eat a lot of pork chop after that game as well.
1: All right, then. yeah, you know, They're going to chop on some pigs, I think, is uh, what you're going for there. But, uh, yeah. Uh, We'll see what Florida does to Arkansas. Arkansas has to win out to make a bowl game, which is highly unlikely at this point.
5: Yes, as well. And then with my Dallas Mavericks, we're playing on Friday. So it's the first week of the opening in-game tournament for uh, the Dallas Mavericks and the Uh, NBA final champions, the Denver Nuggets, so I'll be watching that game very closely. And then before we play that game Friday, we have a game tonight. We play against the Chicago Bulls, so that's going to be a really good matchup. And i probably see these two teams in the NBA finals this year as well, so I'm just going to see how things are going to work out for Luka Doncic and his team as well.
1: Yeah, you're right. The Mavericks do host the Bulls tonight. Dallas is off to a good start. I think that they can make the playoffs. Chicago, I'm a little skeptical on them. I don't think these are 90s, 90s bulls right now. Uh, so we'll see if they can make the play-in or something by the end of the year. But I think the outlook for Dallas, at least so far, I mean, it's only one week, but so far Dallas uh, is looking better than Chicago. I know we've got another phone call to get to here in just a second here, James. So how about you give us some uh, final thoughts today?
5: Well, the only final thoughts I actually have, because I know the Auburn men's basketball team is going to be heading out to Montgomery to play against uh, AUM, and I'm just going to see how they're going to do. And I might as well um, probably see the rest of the season for the uh, Auburn women's uh, basketball team as well, because I'm thinking about actually coming to one
1: of their games in person real soon as well. All right, yeah, know the women's basketball team gets underway shortly, and. Uh, yeah, the men's basketball team is hosting AUM tonight. They're they're uh, taking the trip to Neville Arena, not uh, to Montgomery. So Auburn will host Auburn-Montgomery tonight. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to basketball being back for sure.
5: All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, talk to you all guys tomorrow.
1: Sounds good. War Eagle, James. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to go to our next break. And after our next break... We'll have another trip to the orthopedic clinic phone line. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call is on the air, weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU.
1: Welcome back to sports call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Canberry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. And we are now going to head back to the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334 887 3401 locally or toll free 1 9 Tiger 9. Next up, Wardam Steve. Retired Wardam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon?
6: Uh, I'm doing, doing good, guys. I'm coming down from a sugar high from a Last night's uh Halloween. How about you guys?
1: Excellent. Yeah, I had some peanut M's last night in the movie theater. So I didn't go I guess I had a candy of sort, but it wasn't really Halloween candy, it was movie theater candy.
6: Okay. Um the movie it was uh, by chance Killer of the Flower Moon?
1: Yes, it sure was, all three and a half uh, hours of it.
6: Wow. So did you have to take a fast restroom break or were you able to maintain the three and a half hours in your seat
1: you know i made it uh and, and i can tell you mr brooks childress made it too uh so we 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 hung in there and uh we were we were seated the entire time
6: well i'm impressed uh cam and uh tom uh did y'all uh, get out more candy or did you eat more
1: i i, I definitely ate more than
3: i gave. i i say i live in an apartment complex so it's not really any trick-or-treaters coming around to me so i i ate candy
2: uh, and, uh cam I didn't eat any candy, and I also didn't give out any candy. I was just in another the gym. day. Yeah, I was in the gym. Sorry.
6: My humbug there.
2: Yeah, it, it just it. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I did have one piece of candy, actually. You know what? And I and I will say for my other job, I did end up dressing up,
1: uh, and I was on air for an hour dressed as Luigi. Okay, excellent. There you go. No, he's in then. Cam's good. He's cleared.
6: Okay. All right then. You you passed. Oh, and uh, before going further. Hey, I want to thank you for the kind words, uh, Jeff, uh, that I, I just heard uh, earlier on uh, about uh, the uh, entertainment value that uh, hopefully I provide to you for the use of information. So uh, with that in mind, guys, I do have uh, for, for you, Jeff, and the rest of the listeners, some use information today. But they, oh, I try to make them you know, sports-related. That's why they actually held me in some trivia games that I uh, go to some of the bars around here. So here's today's uh, sports use information, guys. On this date, in 1946, Do you have any clue as to what happened
1: in sports? Oh, 46. Um, It's right after the war. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to know. You guys? No, I don't think so, Tom. Uh, No,
3: No. I was not alive back then.
6: Oh, well. Okay, neither was I, (laughs) although some people may think I was. The New York Knickerbockers beat the Toronto Huskies in the first NBA game.
1: Okay. All All right. Now,
6: it wasn't actually known as the NBA at that time. They were known as the what? Basketball Association of America. Write that down, Jeff.
1: Basketball Association of America.
6: Right. See, became the NBA in 1949, this is according to History Channel, after they merged with who? The National Mm. Basketball League. Okay. Now, at that time, in 1946, the future NBA only consisted of 11 franchises, and only two of them still remain. They were who? The Boston Celtics
1: and the, the New York Knicks, Knicks who yep. were,
6: at that time, New York Knickerbockers. Yep. So, uh, if you didn't know it then, now you do, whether you like it or not.
1: <laughs> there All we
6: right. go. Let's go, guys. How about that uh, ongoing saga with uh, Mr. Stallion? Isn't that his name?
1: Yes, Connor Stallion, yep.
6: Yeah, well, last night, according to Bleach Report, I love them, apparently, uh, CMU's head coach Jim McElwain. Say they're going to get to the bottom of it. And apparently, um, they have seemed to confirm that it was, in fact, Stallion. I'm seeing a video of him, and he's next to some other coaches, and he's got sunglasses on, and it's amazing, guys. Uh, How's this going to end up?
1: Well, how's it going to end up? Again, stiff penalties, Stallions will never work in in college football again. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was very telling. I think I saw someone make this point yesterday. It's like the moment Central Michigan did not come out and say, "Oh yeah, that was so and so," it was kind of a tell that, yeah, it's not their guy. It's Stallions again. I don't know how that happens, but uh, you know, Stallions will never work again in college. I don't believe. And again, there'll be uh, very quantifiable penalties for for Michigan and for Har- Harbaugh. And uh, again, the the more they uncover, the the worse it looks.
6: Well, about that, Ryan, because I'm glad you brought that up. What would be be incentive for any any team, college or NFL, to hire Jim Harbaugh with those kinds of, uh, I'd say, less than ethical uh, performance and, uh, I guess, oversight.
1: Well, so I think the argument is going to be tougher in college, and I think that's why it's going to be done in college. Um, in pro, you're going to say, oh, well, we have so much technology and stuff anyway, we have so much scouting, it's even well advanced beyond – even college and, you know, the, uh, and w- w- the, ultimately they're going to say he can help us win, we're going to hire him. And it's going to be that. Again, in college that's a tougher sell because, you know, he had a college infraction, something that is not going to have the rules change, at least not in the foreseeable future. And so who's to say he's not going to break them again? But in the NFL, the rules are different and the securities are different. And uh, you would say that he would not make that same mistake. And he did coach the 49ers, and to our knowledge, again, to our knowledge, there was nothing wrong or malicious going on there. And he did take that team to a Super Bowl. So I think they would just say in the NFL, they say, okay, well, he hasn't done anything wrong in the NFL. He did have some success in the NFL. You know, let's let's give him the shot.
6: Okay. So uh, unlike the SEC where it just means more, in the NFL it just means less?
1: Uh, I. Sure, I don't know if I follow that logic 100. percent But uh, well, in
6: other words, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Of course, in other words, in NFL, uh, integrity and ethics apparently uh, means less to them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, again, I don't think that it's uh, the the beacon of morality. I don't think that means everything about it's immoral. But yeah, no, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be the, uh, the a great case study on how to do everything by the book.
6: Even though the Patriots and Billcheck were reprimanded right for their little cheating scandals
1: yeah for uh for spygate yeah i mean they they, um, they they i mean they did a form of this i mean this is kind of the same line of uh, of cheating scandals so it, it has happened in the nfl before
6: and of course it happens and i guess other sports too like we know the astros and their right. garbage can for the right. astros it's,
1: it's rare but again it, it it does happen from time to time
6: all right moving on guys the rangers tonight um probably should win, but then I read the report that some of the best players are injured. Uh, does that change uh, the possible likelihood that they might not win?
1: You know, I, I honestly don't think so, and here's why: it's such a small sample size. And again, we talked about this earlier in the postseason. Uh, Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer—who you are referring to? They were taken off the roster last right. night. Uh, and Scherzer would only pitch one more time in the se- in the series anyway, and then Garcia was obviously playing really well. But they scored 11 runs without Garcia last night. And so you can meet the challenge for individual games and for for moments. And so, uh, like, yes, the Rangers absolutely would love to have Garcia. He has been tearing it up. He's had a really good postseason. He's a good player. Uh, But as we saw last night, I mean, they scored 11 runs without him. So they can still accomplish what they need to accomplish here.
6: Okay. And please educate me here, okay? Uh, Because I saw this. I said, what did he do? It says here, again, from Bleacher Report, the Seventy Sixers, Joel, Embiid. Uh, Embiid, yeah, Embiid,
1: yeah, yeah. thirty five
6: thousand dollars for a WWE inspired D-Generation X celebration versus the Blazers, and apparently they, the NBA said that apparently uh, he made he repeatedly made an obscene gesture during the team's one twenty six ninety eight victory for the Portland Trailblazers on Sunday. What do you do, guys?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I can describe it a hundred percent. I mean, it, I. I, it just, it was a certain certain job. I mean, again, I, I yeah, I don't know if Cam, you're going to be able to describe that better. The Embiid thing that you, the celebration. Did you see the Embiid celebration? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How would you describe that? It's like, oh, uh, see, it's tough uh, to describe. Yeah, that. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah it's tough to describe that. Hip thrusting. No, no. He did he get what? The finger.
2: No, no. no, no. It is hip thrusting. That's yeah. the
1: best way I could yeah. put it. Yeah.
6: Okay, well, apparently the NBA decided it was really obscene because yeah, again, yeah thirty-five thousand dollars. So yeah. they, 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 it's I mean, they
2: do that across all leagues. Um, uh, and there's a certain amount of pumps that you're allowed to give yep. before you uh receive a fine, and he did like four or five. Yeah, and I think the limit's like three. So yeah.
1: over pumping. <laughs>
2: yeah, there you go. Over Yep. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, well, I just
6: thanks for educating me because I know what in the what was that about. All right, move on to this guy uh, to the game this uh, coming weekend, guys. Yep. You know, uh, was it 2012 that uh, the, the crap uh, started happening for Tuberville? and uh, we lost at to Vanderbilt. Was it? Uh, was it 14 to 13?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. So that was 08 that Auburn lost with Tuberville, at Vanderbilt. Gene Chiswick also lost in his last year at Vanderbilt in 2012. Well, I'm talking about yeah. the
6: infamous 14 to 13 game. Which year was that one?
1: Uh, I I think that was twelve. I'm I'm not. Uh, I
6: thought it was 2012.
1: Yeah, uh, and again, that one the was the with point. Chizik. Uh, no, fourteen thirteen was in '08. Was I? It's very similar scores. So seventeen thirteen was 2012, and fourteen thirteen was '08.
6: Okay. All right. this is another infamous game because I still have it with Jim Five I said, "How in the world this happened?" Uh, in which uh, there was a Reception for a touchdown called by the referees in the end zone for Vanderbilt receiver who never even held on the ball. He just completed He dropped it, and they called it a touchdown. Do you remember that, guys? Two
3: thousand and one. Yes the the absolute the absolute worst call I have ever seen on a on any sporting event. Like the most egregiously missed call I've ever seen, ever was that.
6: And our coaches went livid.
3: Yeah, and there was no there's no instant replay at the time, and so there, there they gave no him a view. touchdown, and he stood up with no ball in his hands. The ball is bouncing over by the bleachers. Exactly. And yeah, I mean it, it was absolutely the most egregious call I've ever seen in my life.
6: Hi. Well, having said that, guys, uh, I didn't know this about that until I also started reading it on Two Forty Seven Sports uh, about their uh, defense uh, and having to do with their takeaways. They we lead the SEC in takeaways, fourteen. Sure. the season, okay, and they are second right with thirteen takeaways I said really, uh, I didn't think their defense was anywhere near being that that close with takeaways uh in fact uh, uh Robertson calls them havoc plays mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and so uh then they have ten apparently interceptions, but if they've been that good uh on defense, how have they lost by Board, I think by 17 points. What I read uh, in all
3: their games. Yeah, well, so their defense gives up a lot of points.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, takeaways are not the end all be all. There, I mean, they've also played one extra game than Auburn, for example. They've already played nine because they were, they have, uh, they've not had their bye week yet, and they don't have it till the next to last year week of the year. Uh, so, to to me, I 13 is nothing to gawk at, but also 13 turnovers and nine games is is something that is, is is able to be imitated. Uh, and, again, that does not mean they have a really good defense because they have given up points and yards. You know, it's not just been absolute bludgeonings, uh, but, I mean, when you're giving up early in the year 40 points to the UNLV and Kentucky's getting 45 on you, they played a little better as a late. You know, Ole Miss finished with 33, but still the, the yards are there. And so it, it's not some great defense. It's It's not.
6: Well, I didn't think they were either. But I said, "Well, heck, it's uh, just they're leave. just
1: good at that one thing, but that does not make you a great defense."
6: Yeah. Well, I thought, well, surely they. Uh, what, what explains why they have been you know unable to turn those takeaways you know into uh, you know points, right? but they haven't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of that, guys, uh, apparently they have plans on using a two quarterback uh, strategy or system uh, come Saturday. Is that right?
1: Yeah. They uh, they, they with uh, their starting quarterback Ken Seals. Um, they, they're or Swan. has been out. Swans are starter. but with Seals and with Taylor, they're two quarterbacks now. They're both a little different. Taylor runs more. Seals throws more. Uh, they're basically in the purgatory that, that Auburn was putting themselves in earlier in the year. I don't find either one to be overly effective.
6: Okay, so you don't really see any, I guess, uh, difficulty for our defense to have to adjust either one quarterback, whoever is playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, they'll have to always be aware. They'll have to always be aware of who's in and of the package. But th- these are these are stoppable guys. I mean, Ole Miss stymied them last week. Just, just shut them down. So uh, I, I think that, again, when Taylor's in the game, you're going to think he's running. When Seals is in the game, you're definitely going to think he's throwing. He's not very mobile. Uh, that They're two pretty clearly different guys that, again, are not excelling at the thing they do well.
6: Okay, so – Convince me, guys, that this is not going to be a heavy drinking game for me.
1: I'm not convincing you of anything with this Auburn team, Steve.
6: Well, oh, come on, Tom.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm convinced Auburn will win, and I'll I think con- I'll will. convince you that Auburn will win. I, but you know, will it be safe to start the fourth quarter? That would be debatable, right? And then i i I, I for one am a little more bullish on it. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to win by about three touchdowns. But I, you know. I, Again, you can't just assume with the way Auburn's played this year. If they get the performance they got from in the Mississippi State game, they're going to be 100% fine. But if they start to rotate unnecessarily or, you know, if they do have the turnovers and that sort of thing, they sh- they go revert back to having no passing attack then it's going to be in play for Vandy, absolutely. So I, I just think this is on Auburn. Auburn's still – and for all the teams that Auburn was not more talented in, they are more talented than Vandy. So it's on Auburn to flex that talent, to flex their ability at the line of scrimmage, and to build off of last week's pass attack.
6: So is it safe to say that we should see Robbie Ashford in the fourth quarter?
1: Oh, I wouldn't go there. I, I, even in a three-touchdown game, I'm not sure he's playing unless it's the absolute last couple snaps of the game. Uh, so I, I I would I would not say it's just straight second string guys by the end of it. Okay,
6: all right. Um, unfortunately, our team lost last thought Soccer, we win the soccer team, right? I saw yes. part of it. Who's leading up? Is that the final?
1: I think 4-0, but yeah, it was three okay. or four to zero. So, yeah. Um
6: are they going to be on the on the cusp of being able to make it to the NCAA tournament?
1: Uh from what I understand, they're not supposed to make the tournament this year. They did get uh, a little better play there at the end of the season, but I, I don't I, – I, they've they've had better teams that barely made it in before. I, I do not think they'll be in the tournament.
6: No. Okay. Hi, guys. Um, that's all I've got. Hey, thank you for listening uh, to my uh, to tips to, to make some sense. And, uh, Jeff, tune in tomorrow because I'll have more useful information for you, man. We With love that it. With that said, guys, y'all have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, – We'll give it a shot and see how the uh, scrimmage game in basketball turns out tonight. Yes, sir. War Eagle, guys.
1: War Eagle, see. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And that will conclude the first hour of the program. Coming up in hour number two, going to hit on a couple college football storylines. Going to hit on some more Auburn. Talk a little Auburn basketball coming up a little bit later. And again at 5.15 today. Bruce Pearl will join us. Pre-recorded interview 5.15 today. The head of men's basketball coach from University will join us. You'll love to hear what he has to say about his team this year. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports
1: talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, Tom Peavy with you here on this wednesday tp hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls on the orthopedic clinic phone line again if you want to give us a call today 334-887-3401 locally or toll free 1-888-9-TIGER9 coming up in the five o'clock hour around 5 15 we'll have an interview with the head basketball coach of auburn university coach bruce pearl ahead of auburn's exhibition tonight against auburn montgomery Again, a reminder: just six days away from Auburn and top twenty-five Baylor. It's a very interesting non-conference schedule uh, this year. Again, they've got in the past they've had a couple major conference teams, and then they've typically had some mid-majors that are well-regarded, the Belmonts of the world, uh, and just that sort of stuff. But uh, now they've even ratcheted it up a little bit more with some teams that are not only in the preseason top 25, but are, are historically good programs, tournament teams, uh, the, the locations of these games. I mean, everything from obviously here in Auburn with the ACC-SEC Challenge or USC coming to town, but also Holiday Giving again. In Atlanta, you got a trip up to Huntsville. you got a trip to, oh, I don't know, South Dakota, and you're going to play at the Barclays Center. Again, I think they did that a few years ago. Uh, back up in New York, playing Notre Dame, and then another team. So uh, Auburn is is kind of going all over the place. So let's talk a little. Be fun. Talk a little Auburn basketball here to start the the second hour. Got these newcomers in here, and I think everyone wants to see Aiden Hallway. Oh, absolutely. Everyone's ready to see that. Yeah. Uh, but these other guys, Denver Jones,
3: heard a lot about good things about him.
1: Yep. Chad Baker, Mazzara, even Cheney Johnson. I mean, outside of Holloway, and well, I, I, maybe Holloway's not the answer, so let me just open it up. Who's the most important newcomer for Auburn this year in your mind?
2: Um, I'm going to go with uh, – ooh, wow, that's really tough, actually. Yeah. Actually,
1: I think I'm going to go with Denver Jones. That's kind of
2: who I, think, I was thinking. I think I'm going to go with Denver Jones because, um, you know, Auburn had some issues with shooting and, and – uh, overall just guard play last year i think that is something that's going to improve a lot this year denver brings some real experience and some some real shooting ability that i think auburn was lacking last year just some good stability at that shooting guard position and and as a starter i think it's going to be very very good um very very crucial because he's he's good on the defensive side of the ball as well um but he's aggressive in terms of of being able to Uh, score you know and 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 that was just missing last year you know uh zeb jasper he was phenomenal on defense just absolutely locked down solitary you know singular defender he just wasn't aggressive in in going and finding his shot was a good shooter just wasn't aggressive in finding his shot and kind of just let everybody else take the shots and things like that um it seems like Denver will be more aggressive in terms of, of really hunting his shot and and uh, taking those open shots and 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 using his opportunities to the fullest so I think he's gonna be the most
3: important newcomer for for Auburn
1: so you're going Denver Jones too Tom Denver Jones
3: was gonna be my guy yeah okay I, I, for I mean for everything that he said it, just from what I've heard about him I've, I've never actually seen him with my own eyes but I'm just just from what I've heard people talking about his ability uh, it it sounds like he's the the type of guy that can really provide a big scoring boost for this team and uh, yeah uh, everything so everything I've heard so far about this team it sounds like they they can score bunches I think Bruce has some questions about their defense which is completely the opposite of, of right of what the team's normally a Bruce Pearl team normally is, is that defensive team that just yeah. it hounds you they're like mosquitoes all over you. But, I they think can't, but they yeah. but they struggle shooting. Yeah, I think Sounds they'll like struggle. These guys yeah. shoot the ball lights out, yeah. but just can't defend anything right yeah, now. Yeah, I
2: think they'll just struggle with connectivity on defense, just as a unit, just because there are a decent amount of newcomers and they're not all exactly familiar and have that feel for each other yet. I think the defense will improve subtly over the season, but the ability to score individually and naturally—that's something that uh, will will. Be very, very key and crucial. I think the defense will come around because I think individually they're good defenders. I just think that as a unit and that communication—that's key when it comes to defense and really talking and everything. Uh, I, I think that's something that that just takes some getting used to and some cohesiveness with the unit, with the team in general.
1: And, and Bruce Pearl the other day on Monday, and I believe he mentioned this in the pre-recorded interview we're going to have up in the five o'clock hour too. He mentioned a new rule, and this must have flown over my head, or maybe this is even something that's just kind of been more of a coach-to-officiating type of maneuver where they've just kind of go ahead and let the coaches know they're calling it this way. But apparently this year, the weak side defender is not going to get charge calls this year. They're saying that a help defender – coming over unless he's just there for several, Already I mean, there. A, a long yeah. time. Right. The the kind of the last second step uh, in front stuff well, is going to be called blocks this year. Uh, I can and, get behind and, that. And I've heard Bruce say that a couple of times now. And that's going to be interesting and I know this kind of steps away from just the scope of Auburn, but for basketball in general, there have been a lot of people irritated with the block charge calls. And wherever you stand, whether you like more charges to be called, you like more blocks to be called, by taking a stance, if this is to be true, by taking a stance, hopefully, and this may be too optimistic on my part, but hopefully we gain more clarity and consistency in how it's called. And I think at the end of the day, that's going to be the preference of many.
2: And I think it will, honestly, because my biggest gripe about that, actually, now that I'm thinking about, it, my biggest issue with the weak side defender coming in and taking a a a block or charge, however that, usually it, get, it was called a charge, a decent amount last year, is that what can the offensive player do at that point to? stop what they're doing because they're already pretty much in their gather in their movement to go up to the basket however move whatever whatever that puts the offensive player at a, at a high disadvantage they can't do anything so I, I do think that this will really clarify the calls a lot because I mean with that being a block that will decentivize that because that's also it is kind of a dangerous play as well because you're you're basically coming up underneath a player if like if it's a guy that's going up for a high dunk and you're tra- you're saying oh I'm gonna come in step in at the last second and draw a block or draw a charge here that's a dangerous play because you're you're you know potentially taking the feet out of uh, from under a player that's in the air defenseless things like that so I do think uh, that this will end up de- uh, decentivizing that for sure so I I actually like that move I think that's a good idea. In all, in all honesty
1: yeah you know in and look i think that if you you play this out logically if they stick to this then you're going to eliminate a lot of the charges because if you think about it i would say at least three out of every four charges are that or or maybe maybe two out of every three 66 75 percent of them are that kind of play where you're going to the rim and the off ball defender steps in and takes that you do you see some push off, some chicken wing stuff, right? And you see sometimes putting the shoulder down. This is more of an NBA thing, but it happens in college where you put the shoulder down into somebody that's still trying to slide in front of you, right? But basically, it encourages like, hey, if you're on the ball defense, you need to stay in front of your man because you're not going to get bailed out the rim by somebody taking a charge. You can still have, you know, help side defense with with block shots and stuff like that. But if you think sure. that you're going to get beat. Right. And, and just have someone you know that's <laughs> a great block, charge draw, guy, yeah, draw charge. the, the <laughs> Kyle Lowry the, of college.
2: The Jalen uh,
1: Williams. Yeah, I mean, just come in there and, and, and draw three charges for you and, and save your butt. Then, again, apparently that's not going to be the call this yeah. year. We'll see if they stick to it because, again, I had not heard that until I heard Coach Pearl the other day in a press conference talk about that. So that is a point of emphasis. Yeah. I don't know if it's a flat out rule, but it's at least a point of emphasis. The Arkansas Jalen Williams, by the way, I need to specify sure. that one. Yeah, say no, that. he took seven point seven million. Dude. Yeah, a uh, lot of lot of bruises, I, I assume, from him. All right, so let me go someone different, just just to, for the sake of difference. I, I in general agree because Denver Jones on the back on the uh, the newcomer point, I agree on Denver Jones. He was a twenty point scorer FIU. Need it. You know, 20 points in the league in the SEC may not be attainable, but 15, 16, you need need that sort of production. You need someone to be up there top 10, top 12 in scoring. And Jani Broom might be, but I just think in this perimeter-heavy game that basketball has become, even at the college level, you need a guard to be able to be a a force. And we'll get to point guards in a second, and we know the potential that's there. But just without knowing exactly how that will shake out, I think it's important that Denver Jones provides that because I'm still going to be skeptical on the the ceiling that Katie Johnson, the consistency that Katie Johnson is going to have. Katie Johnson will have a game where he has 18 points and he'll make a couple step back threes and the tongue will be out and it'll be all fun. Yeah, yeah. But sure. then he'll have an 0 for five with a couple turnovers and that's not and that's going to kind of that's kind of been him. That's kind of the college Katie Johnson experience. experience. So. Outside of Denver Jones, I will say Chad Baker-Mazzara. Okay. And the reason I will say that is because this guy has shot the ball at whatever level he's played at incredibly efficiently. And if this team is going to kind of invert itself, because, again, the last couple teams have been defensive teams that would kind of struggle for that last-ounce offense they needed – uh, and and I, should, I shouldn't say last couple because two years ago with Jabari. yeah they were But if you pre- could take pre-season. Jabari away, right. the rest of it was very much iffy. Because, yeah. um, again, a lot of the players on last year's team were the players on that team. Just you take out Jabari and Kessler, and, and that's what you had last year. Uh, I feel that they are kind of going back to, okay, we're going to shoot it, and it's going to be shooting pretty efficiently. What can you give me defensively? And for Chad Baker-Mazzara, I think he'll come and play on both sides. And the reason is he needs to be a part of that equation that shoots the ball incredibly well. Mm -hmm. Because if he's someone that I think can hit multiple threes a game and shoot at 40% plus, because that's what he's done in college, in Juco. That's that's who he's been. And so that's what I expect from him here at Auburn. I think he was near 50% one year. I don't need that, Sheesh. but I love it. But I don't need it. Sheesh. But you need about a forty percent three point threat that'll hit multiple game and not just oh he's forty percent because he's ten of twenty five on the year. Yeah. Uh. And and so he's important for that, but he's also important in my mind because at the size he's at now he's incredibly thin. He is. But he is six seven. Yeah. When you're six seven in college and it's gotten this way really in all of basketball because this way in the NBA too, but when you're six seven that can be a lot of different things. And that could be everything from the four man for Auburn to if you want a super heavy it, lineup, it could be yeah. the two, yeah. And it could be the two because you could go Chris Moore, Jalen Williams, and Jai Broom it, it, as the as the yeah, three, as the, four, and five. The, yeah, it, just court. again, let's line up, shaking around here. So, how he plays defense, what he is better at functionally, if he's better on the ball, off the ball, if he does have a little more strength than his frame would suggest, only listed 180 pounds, guys. Hundred eighty ain't much. Yeah. Okay. I that that is.
2: <laughs> I weigh one ninety. <190. laughs> yeah, I was about to say,
1: and I weigh more than that. And I'm, you know, I'm not incredibly huge. I mean, TP, will you weigh that about that? I mean, we all weigh that plus, plus. and we don't. Cam's got muscle, but Cam's Thanks. not six seven. No. Also, I mean, he's five ten. To be six seven and hundred eighty pounds, that does not thing seem to me someone that's going to bang down low. But we'll see. If he can hold his own with fours, I think that would be very, very important and be good news if Auburn wants these really good offensive lineups. So I, I again, give to you Chad Baker-Mazar because of what someone like him and his measurables would suggest in terms of versatility, and then, again, because of his shooting acumen. So let me ask you guys this before we take our next break. Again, last year the frustration would be, not enough shooting. I think they were in the low 300s in three-point percentage out of like 360 or however many schools. Good defensive team. Again, same kind of problems offensively where if you take the shooting out of it, Auburn was still just not a great half-court team. They could give it to Broome from time to time. They give it to Williams from time to time. But easy to get bogged down when you couple not being able to shoot the ball well with how Auburn has run offense historically under Bruce Pearl. So this year... If you had to pick, and I get that the preseason thought is is already geared to one thought, but I guess what is the lesser of two evils for you? A team that is a really good shooting team that is having trouble defensively or a really good defensive team that's having trouble in the half court and having trouble being able to hit consistent shots? Uh. Are, I, I guess what I'm saying, are, are you now, is your needle moved to kind of being okay with a little bit of a lesser defense if you're consistently <laughs> hitting those shots and scoring eighty points a game, or are you like, no, I love that Auburn established a defensive identity. I'd like that to stay. I mean, I would obviously like the for the for the defensive identity to
2: stay, but if it drops off just a little bit for the sake of some so, some more consistent offense, because I, I mean, we watched Auburn win a forty-three to forty-two game last year, so. Uh, that was that was painful and to lose watch. One, And lose one about that yes, score too. Exactly. Yeah. Uh and and so you know, we don't want to we don't want to see that anymore, that's for sure. So I'm okay with giving up just a little bit of defense in lieu of uh some some real scoring opportunities. So I, I'm okay with it uh as of now. As long as as long as the stops are there when they're necessary, like when when you when you need a stop, you can get Damn. a stop, then I'm okay with it.
3: Tom, what do you think? Uh, Auburn has to get better scoring. Uh just flat out they have to do better scoring. So I I am definitely willing to take that improvement in the scoring aspect of things if it means a little bit of a slip on defense. Obviously, like we were talking about. You don't want to have you don't want to have just a complete meltdown defensive wise where you're giving up a hundred points. Uh, obviously don't want that. But this team has to be able to score better. Uh, if they want the chance to get to the NCAA tournament, if they want to have a chance to advance further in the NCAA tournament than what they've been doing, they've got to be able to shoot the ball. They've got to be able to score more consistently. So I will take that tenfold with a little bit of a slight decline in defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, look, I'm I'm in general that person anyway that prefers the offense, which, again, is ironic for when you see the football team the last few years. But uh, – I'm in general the offensive guy that needs wants to just figure it out defensively. Um, I just think that when you, the three pointer is so valued in basketball now, I'm not saying a team needs to live and die by I don't think that's. I don't think you turn the slider up to 100 and say all threes, all threes. But I do think that it is easier to score now. Uh, they, technically they're making it a little easier with that rule. If they're going to start calling them blocking fouls. With help side. That that helps offense. That that oh, encourages, no. yeah. oh, yes, absolutely. encourages it attacking. Offense. Yes, very and, much. And so I just think that we, we've seen it both ways, and we've seen, look, even the good Auburn teams of Bruce Pearl's past year were, we're still pretty good defensively. So I kind of trust that. That's what I'm saying. Again, I, I'm I not have... suggesting here that Auburn's going to go from 300 offensively to 30, but then from 30 defensively to 300. I'm just simply saying that I think that this could lean offense this year as opposed to the last few years where it has definitely leaned defense. We're going to take our first timeout of the 4 o'clock hour again at 5.15. Bruce Pearl will join us to chat some Auburn basketball. So we'll have more on the basketball team a little bit later. But when we, When we come back, we'll shift gears again. We'll go to some more football talk. As a lot of things talk about both in college and in the NFL, you're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at thetiger.fm. I'm Travon
5: Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call
1: on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoie, Cam Barry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Again, if you want to chat with us today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Also, again, coming up at around 5.15 today, Bruce Pearl will chat with us. Auburn men's basketball coach, again, ahead of... Auburn taking on Auburn-Montgomery tonight in an exhibition inside of Neville Arena. Just talk some Auburn basketball. If you missed that, go back and check it out. The Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. All right, so let's change gears again a little bit. Let's go back to uh, college football here briefly, the the landscape. I know Jeff kind of referred to this uh, early in the show. We had talked just briefly about it at the end of the show, or towards the end of the show yesterday, what the ultimate college football playoff rankings would be. They were revealed for the first time last night, so we now have an idea. Uh, we now have, I guess, th- for the first time, we have the true rankings. We've had a projection. We've had the AP poll for the first nine weeks of the season, but now we know this This is the end all beyond. This is what the college football playoff committee of things. So we're we'll gonna go through the top ten and then a couple notables. Ohio State, number three in the AP poll, but number one in the country according to the College Football Playoff Committee. Number two is Georgia. Number three is Michigan. Number four is Florida State. Number five is the last undefeated there in the power five at Washington. Number six is Oregon. Number seven, Texas, number eight, Alabama, number nine, Oklahoma, and number ten Ole Miss. Some other notables, SEC has Missouri at number 12, has LSU at number 14, has Tennessee at number 17, uh, and that does it for the SEC teams. Right now, if you look at group of five teams, the highest rated group of five is Tulane at 24. Air Force is 25. I believe Air Force was ranked higher in the AP poll, but ranked below Tulane. Of course, that's important for getting – that New Year's Six bowl slot, and then also a couple other notables for you. Kansas did make the top 25 after their win over Oklahoma. They're number 21, uh, and they start three straight Big 12 teams, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State in succession there, 21 through 23. All right, guys, any big takeaways from the top 25 last night? Do you agree with Ohio State number one?
2: Yeah, I do. I agree with Ohio State being number one. Uh, They've they've played really the toughest schedule up to date, and they've remained undefeated. Uh, Good win, uh, especially over Notre Dame, and you pretty much uh, beat Penn State uh, pretty handily as well. Um and and so yeah, I think I think they deserve the number number one spot as of right now, with Georgia not having as song strong of a schedule and just not looking as, you know, dominant. They did look dominant, dominant against Kentucky. I will give them that, but Kentucky also kind of beat themselves a little bit in the first half with penalties and things like that, so made it easier for for Georgia um to really just, you know, put their front on the neck and get the win um so yeah i i i do think that ohio state was able to earn that ranking and georgia just coming in at number two i like the five and six i like oregon and washington that that leaves the door open for the pac-12 gives them an opportunity uh to to earn earn a earn a bid because you know like we talked about already ohio state michigan somebody's gonna have to lose and whoever that loser is is probably gonna drop drop out depending on where they are i could see ohio state if they're remaining number one and they lose to michigan then they might drop to like four and then you know that might complicate some things um but i like washington and I, and I, I still think that Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. So, uh, I, when or if they meet up in the Pac-12 championship, that's going to probably determine if they can get that. If the Pac-12 is going to be able to get
1: uh, a a team into the playoffs, so it'll be interesting for sure. Tom, anything interesting to you? Anything stand out there in the top
3: twenty-five? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, not really. Uh, I I agree Ohio State has played the tougher schedules. They should be there. Georgia and Michigan have both had cupcake schedules. Again, not necessarily their fault that the teams that they have to play within conference are not very good, but, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Florida State at four, they're in the catbird seat. I mean, you look at the rest of their schedule, I, I don't see them maybe losing at Florida to end the season, but, I mean, Florida has not been very good. Uh, at Pittsburgh, host Miami, host North Alabama, and at Florida, and then they'll have the ACC championship game. But I mean, they're they're sitting pretty right now because uh, I just don't see anybody knocking them off. Um, I think Alabama also finds themselves in a pretty good spot at eight. Uh, I think that still leaves that chance for them to get into that top four spot uh, unless they something happens. Well, obviously, we'll see what happens. How they end the season against some of their tougher teams that they're going to see, but nothing on here really. Just uh, there was not anything on here that jumped out that just really, you know, was like stunning. I guess. Uh, I mean, it seems to fit pretty decently. Kind of surprised Air Force is as low as they are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all and the way. No
2: it, love for James Madison. <sighs> I don't well, know
1: if they can be ranked. I don't think I don't, they're allowed not, to be if ranked. They not, can
2: be ranked? Really? It's I don't like think, that no, point? Because in, they because, in because in the of the play, move up? They, they, yes. they can't be
1: in the playoffs. They, they, they're That's not allowed
2: true. to play That's in, play in the playoffs,
3: so they should that not be in the playoffs. That stinks. Yeah.
1: The, that stinks. Yeah. They are. Uh, what 23rd in the ap yeah. that's that's yeah. very yeah, air,
3: air force is sitting at eight zero right now and they're at 25 so yeah. i mean uh, you know, obviously it's because of the schedule they right play. i get it i mean it's air force but still the fact that you're eight no and when and you're all the way at 25 that seems kind of a slap in the yeah.
1: face well you know they don't love the military tom i'm just kidding oh yeah <laughs> i will say that that was consistent with if you're going to use the logic to put Ohio State number one because of schedule, then you're going to use a lack of schedule to move teams down. Now, to that degree, sure. Again, I'm not I, – I, I like smaller teams in general, too. Right. So, it, I, I'm as much talking myself out of being mad as anything, but – I just think it's know.
3: funny that your number one team and your number 25 team are 8-0. Oh. Right. Like, the entire schedule is bookended by two 8-0 oh teams on the two yep. extremes. That's just – that's bizarre.
1: It, it is kind of a uh, neat little uh, bookend deal there. Look, again, I, we went over a little bit yesterday. Kind of thought Ohio State would end up being number one. Clearly the battle, better schedule thus far. What's interesting about it is that all these teams really feel like they're going to even up pretty close. I don't know if they'll get to Ohio State strength of schedule because theirs is so high. I think it's like 15 right now. But – These other teams, like Georgia's about to have three straight ranked teams, and they've not really had that thus far. And, of course, Michigan, they've had a poo-poo platter so far. They're going to have Penn State and Ohio State here in the last four weeks, which is going to exponentially improve their strength of schedule. And so, really, a lot of those teams at the top that feel like they've not had much meat on the bone so far, they're going to quickly catch up, and it's going to start to even out. Uh, because I, I would tell you that, again, Ohio State, for example. Okay, because we're going to use Ohio State since they are number one. Their schedule up until Michigan, again, not Michigan. I'm just saying next three weeks. Okay, at Rutgers. Rutgers is fine. I mean, yeah. it, it. they're 6-2. and two. They're probably... Uh, Well, if they beat Ohio State, they'd be ranked, yeah. They do have to play at Rutgers. They do have to play at Rutgers. The other stuff, though, hosting Michigan State, which is just not good at all, and hosting Minnesota, who's very meh. You know, those next three weeks, okay, it's not a lot on that, right? But the next three weeks, Georgia will host Missouri, host Ole Miss, go to Tennessee. Those are three top 17 teams. Right. And so that will, I think, pretty much even up in a lot of ways, the perception of the schedules thus far. And so I could see if Georgia makes that run, and if they yeah. do it impressively, I could see them hopping right back over them, number one. That's of course, fair. the one thing with the committee rankings versus with the Associated Press rankings is that when you have an AP poll, you, you have a way to see how close things are. You, you can see someone's at like 1,500 points to 1,490. And right. you can see, you just visualize how close that is. Yeah. Whereas in the committee's eyes, you don't truly know if one and two are actually close or five and six are actually that close. Like you don't know how much time they spent deliberating over the difference in one team or one spot and that sort of thing. And so that's what, Always gets me, but I would think for the world that if you beat three consecutive ranked teams while the other team does not play a ranked team, you would move up that one spot. Right. So, again, that's why positionally I think it's that way now, but I think that in three weeks, if all things are the same, I think Georgia would go right back up there to number one. Michigan beats Penn State. You know They'll they'll be right there neck and neck with Ohio State. They'll be right below Ohio State, I think, because they won't have as, as much in the next few weeks. But, again, I think that – still some of these teams just have more upcoming than other teams, and you're grading to this point. You're not trying to project out what will happen. Let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line 334-887-3401 locally, toll free one triple 1-888-9-TIGER-9 and talking to us for a second time today, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is back with us. Jeff, again, I hope you've been well in the last hour or so. What's on your mind?
0: Yeah, man, aren't, don't
4: you guys feel blessed. Man, I, I was leaving work, and I I said it when I got off the air, but this is right. This is exactly what I wanted to ask. Okay, are they still going to have an at and coaches poll from here on out?
1: Yes, yes.
4: So they do. So, and, and the only reason I ask this is because everybody always says uh, this team's been ranked in the top ten for you know forty straight weeks, stuff like that. So Mm. that's what I was wondering,
0: is if the coaches' poll, you just say, and use for example, Georgia's not
4: number one in the coaches' poll, or, excuse me, not in the uh, college football poll, right, Right. the rankings. So does that affect their spot at number one in eight people? Mm. You know what I'm saying? People look at that. Steve would look at that. And so I just want to make sure I could throw it back in his face (laughs) if I had to.
1: Right. Yeah. know, They they would do something like if you're watching ESPN or something, they would differentiate. Say, you know, if, still using Georgia here. Georgia's been ranked in the AP poll this many weeks, and then they would say right. Georgia's been in this position this many weeks in the college football playoff ranking. So they they would differentiate the two. But yes, they all still exist. Okay. And
4: and I know it's it's been young, but yeah, and it surely has has. Okay, going back to when USC. It was USC played Texas the year that
1: – what was that, that Auburn 2000 and oh, – 2004, that was – When Reggie Bush. Yeah, USC, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah USC, yeah. Oklahoma. There USC. was a USC, Texas the next year, but yeah, USC, Oklahoma the 04 year. Okay. So, did
4: – okay. What what ranking
1: was Auburn in the year that USC played Texas? Uh, The year USC played Texas in 05? I, I, yeah. I don't know. I think they were ranked, but I'll have okay. to – I'll have to find where they were.
4: Okay, but I'm sorry. I guess I'm getting it confused. Because right now, okay, did TTU finish number two last year, even though they got beat by 65 points, uh, uh, and Ohio State played Georgia better?
1: I'll have to double check that, too. I think they did. I think, just out of respect for making the game, they did.
4: Okay, and that's what I was going to say is what if the AP. So it's possible for the AP, the coach poll, and the college football bowl thing to have different one,
1: two, three, four, and five? Yeah, again, they stopped ranking in the college football playoff poll once they set the set the new year six and they set the, the playoffs. Uh, it, yet to answer your question, yes, it would be possible for the AP or coaches to vote something else, but they're gonna line up with who that that, that champion was at this point.
4: I, okay, but the champion. But I'm talking about second rank, third rank. You know what I'm
1: saying? Uh, um, yeah, that could be up the, football, to their discretion. I mean, yeah, it could be up to their discretion. I I'm going through these things. So, o five to answer your o five question, Auburn finished 14th that year in the 05. i five. I'm I'm okay, about to so get. Okay, it
4: wasn't that. It was the year they played Oklahoma then. Right, it was 04, Yeah. It, okay, but Auburn wanted to be the wasn't Oklahoma undefeated that year. And they only lost to USC.
1: No, they had already lost a game. That was their second loss okay. here. Yeah.
4: Then that explains. That, yeah, that's where the beef came from. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. It was I had Texas confused that year, and I go, "Well, shoot, that doesn't make any sense because when one and two play now, or you know, in this in this new bowl system we have, number two finishes like second. You know what I'm saying? Because they played in the national championship game, even though. I believe Ohio State was a better, you know, surely was a better team uh, against Georgia, you know, and I would have thought they'd be number two, but it was TCU at the end of the year, you know. So, and I was just curious how it how it ends up or who decides who finishes second through twenty fifth after the season is over.
1: Right. Yeah. Again, it, it is. And, it, it it changes because of uh uh because of, okay. w- because of the service and I did confirm for you Jeff too that in 2022 TCU did finish second um after did, in the a, in the AP poll yeah they did put them second and then
4: then I guess in Ohio State Michigan was a pickem
1: Yeah Michigan was Ohio narrowly third. third Yeah Michigan third Ohio State Michigan fourth Michigan
4: was even though, okay. I guess they oh, said since Michigan beat, beat them. Ohio yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got you. Okay. All right, guys. I'm sorry to waste your time. But no, that, you're was good. Doing, that, was something, that was something that was, you know, how in the world can they still be ranked in AP number one, but not been in the college, in the playoffs, there, especially? Sure. Hey, my brother has texted me. He works for Coca Cola. Uh huh. And he has texted me that he's got Dr. Uh, Pepper, Sweet uh ncc championship game tickets if i want to go oh yeah i think he set me up oh. i think he set me up for this loss i said man you call me after this missouri game and we'll talk about it
1: <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> but, yeah
4: uh, I, either way i'm gonna have to go like i say I, I think i told you last last time i went i go i know why they call it a sweet now because oh. this is sweet when you get up there i oh. mean it really is
1: yeah, yeah, I would go either way, but obviously it would be a lot yeah, better sir. for you if Georgia won. Yes, sir. Yeah,
4: yeah. But I think it's trying to put a hex on me, so I can't answer him yet. <laughs> so, but you all have a great night, and I probably won't call back in the next hour, okay? Uh,
1: well, if you do, we will be more than happy to field another call from you.
4: All right. Thank you again, guys.
1: Yes, sir. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us again on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, no, we're always open to any and all questions on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to go ahead and head to our final break here of the second hour. More Sports Call right after this.
0: The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Camberry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammett running the board, thanking your phone calls. One amendment to what was said in the previous phone call. Again, Oklahoma did not lose until the USC game. I think it was a little confusing there uh, that Oklahoma did finish with a loss. That was two USC uh, in the title game. There was three undefeateds going into the year that would have been a perfect time for a 14 playoff alas we uh, took an extra decade or so to get there but we did and now we'll get to 12 teams starting next year but uh, but yeah appreciate our buddy Jeff for calling back in too we we're talking some college football playoff rankings and the last thought I wanted to give on that was again I thought it was very important coming into it to see if Texas or Oregon were ahead and it is Oregon that's ahead of Texas Oregon at six Texas at seven and Alabama at eight And then you obviously had Washington at five there. And, again, I just think that that dynamic, realistically, uh, that could end up being a debate at the end of the season. If both teams can get through and you end up having Texas with one loss, winning the Big 12, and then Oregon avenging that Washington loss, and I think with Oregon ahead right now, I think it's going to be really hard for Texas to jump them in that uh, scenario. And then also – You've just got, you know, you've got a couple one loss SEC teams there at ten and twelve in Ole Miss in Missouri, but the paths for them are just not up to them. You know, I, I don't think that uh, I certainly don't think Ole Miss controls anything about their destiny. They can't yeah. even win the West without two Alabama losses. And if Alabama doesn't lose to L S U, uh, then Alabama's not going to end up with two SEC losses. So, I mean, the the only path for that now is losing the LSU and losing the Auburn in the Iron Bowl. So, if they don't lose the LSU, that path's gone for Ole Miss. Uh so they control nothing about their fate. And then Missouri, they're just a little too low to feel good about them because say they pull it against Georgia. Huh. Okay, say they pull it. That would be now, wild. They're gonna be like eight. They're they're not right. going to move up to top four or five. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna. I don't think they'll move up above Oregon or Texas. They're one loss teams.
3: Their path could uh, be there though if they if they beat Georgia if they're able to actually get to the SEC championship game over
1: Georgia to win it. But I'm yeah. saying it's not their own. Fate oh well, yeah, because yeah, yeah, uh, true because they they will control their own destiny to make the SEC title game. Right. But they would be in the same boat that I still think it's barely alive. It's barely this way. But they'd be in the same fate I feel Alabama is in now where they still need one thing to happen. It's very likely because one thing always happens in college football. But, again, if you gave me undefeated Big Ten team, either Ohio State or Michigan, in over Alabama, you gave me undefeated Florida State and over <clears throat> Alabama, you gave me undefeated Washington in over Alabama, and then that leads to if you have one loss, Texas who is currently ranked ahead of Alabama, having beaten Alabama, I think they're in over Alabama. And so that's why I'm saying that, that that's the only scenario right? that they that Alabama does not control their fate. The minute one of those things falls, they got it. They, you know, they're, they're back in the driver's seat. Of course, they got to win, got to beat LSU this week, got to beat Georgia. If that were to be the case in the SEC title game, but I'm saying that would be the same thing for Missouri. Yeah. Is they'd move up to about where Alabama is now, seven or eight somewhere in there, and they would need the same dynamic to happen. They would need yeah. they somebody would need else of happen them to happen in the Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, right? So,
3: in other words, they're not just going to put an SEC team in because
1: it's SEC, right? And because this is the year where other conferences have been <clears> legitimate, <throat> and the right. SEC had too many non-conference losses in big games. Like if LSU, if LSU beats Florida State. This is a different conversation. LSU's still in it yeah. at this point. And, and yeah, I agree. And, the, and more importantly for the SEC, the ACC's in huge trouble. Yeah. Because it's not just about LSU having one loss or something to give an SEC another good team. It's about the fact the ACC A-C. would have nobody in a yeah, situation. Yeah, no shot. Right. Uh, and they oh, they'd only have one loss teams to be trying to pick oh Louisville or you know I mean one loss Florida State like it, it just would not be wow Louisville is their next at thirteen yeah, yeah. wow again it, it would Goodness. be a very very dark scenario Oof. and then that's when all the one loss SEC teams would control their destiny because they're in over a power five league in the ACC the problem is you do have an undefeated team from all those all leagues, leagues right now yeah. except for the Big 12. But the one cog in that is that Texas has the most important non-conference win right now, and that is going to Tuscaloosa and winning. And so yeah. that that's why I think that Texas would still have to be above them, and that's why the SEC outside of Georgia does not necessarily control their own fate. Uh, although, again, there are some scenarios still for the SEC title game and that sort of thing but again the most impactful losses in my opinion were LSU to Florida State and I know this one's not an out of conference but Tennessee to Florida right because if Tennessee just beats Florida Tennessee's got one loss right now and they got that home game against Georgia coming up in a couple of weeks and then that would be for the east but it's not for the east if Georgia ends up undefeated entering that game yep Georgia's still going to have one the the east at that point so mm-hmm. Again, those those losses were very pivotal losses for the right. SEC.
3: Here, here's one thing I'm looking at uh, as far as that goes. I, like I said, Florida State. I, I I mean, obviously things can happen, but let's be honest. I mean, do do we really think Florida State's going to lose a game?
1: No, no. The only caution I would say is just those the two best teams on the schedule, which are not very good, are rivalries. Yeah. Sure. So I want to be a little cautious, right. but yeah, they're objectively significantly uh, so, better. Yeah. So
3: you got to think. In all likelihood, obviously, it, things can happen. In all likelihood, that's one of the spots gone to FSU. Right. You know, Ohio State and Michigan, one of those is most yep. likely going to get. Yep. It. So that's two. So yep. so you've got two spots left. Yep. Just realistically. Washington at Southern Cal. Terrible defense. Yeah. I, I
1: Losable, though. I think it's losable. It's losable, but terrible defense. Uh,
3: Utah, they host Utah. Utah's okay, not a but lot of offense, eh. but maybe at Oregon State could be interesting because yeah, Oregon I mean, that's, State's playing. That's three
1: well. ranked teams in a row. That's right. not a cakewalk.
3: And then and then they uh, finish at Washington State rivalry yeah. game. Yeah, uh, you
1: Washington know, Washington State's been struggling late though. Four and four now. Right.
3: Yeah. So I mean, I guess Washington. I guess you could. That's the one.
1: That that's, that's yeah. absolutely the one you would you would say is the weaker spot. And then because yeah. at that point too, you're talking about playing Oregon again, right? And they won by the skin of their teeth at home. And then you get into the debate. The next debate would be Oregon versus Alabama if you got to that debate. But again, right. th- that's where I think you're more at a debating line, and it gets a little bit hard to, to figure. But you, see, you're you trying know, you to
3: prognosticate out. forward on, yeah. on what a they, lot of things. So yeah. Washington. So out of the top. F- out of well, uh, let's say out of the top five, Washington has the toughest road of hit road yes. hit. and Georgia, they might be Georgia. the
1: weakest team too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you think Washington could be the weakest team of those five? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Yes. They've not played well the last couple weeks. Look it up. I agree. Oh, well,
0: I agree. I, I, I
1: mean, I I almost you like them more than Ohio State. No, I like
3: them more than I, I might actually like them more than Georgia right now. Really? Yeah. Oh. Georgia's offense is
1: Jeff call number three coming up. We have gotta go to our end of hour break on the other side again. Five fifteen Bruce Pearl will join us. We'll come back with some more football and again a little bit more Auburn basketball ahead. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger ninety five point nine. Third and final hour of Sports Call, starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Coming up in just about 10 minutes or so, we'll have the head basketball coach, Auburn University, Bruce Pearl, on with us. That is a pre-recorded interview. Get to that in about 10 minutes or so. Hear what he has to say on the upcoming season. Good stuff with him, again, ahead of their exhibition tonight against Auburn-Montgomery. Six days ahead of their opener against Baylor in South Dakota. So we'll talk a little more Auburn basketball after that one, too. But again, coming up in about 10 minutes with Coach Pearl. In the meantime, usually on a Wednesday, we do have Joe Bartle of RotoWire. wire Go figure, things did not quite work out with him this Wednesday uh, so we won't have any fantasy perspective here per se. But I do want to hit on for just a few minutes uh, some of the NFL situations going on. Trade deadline came and went yesterday. Wasn't a lot of earth-shattering movement. Commanders dumped a couple trades Kind of wave the white flag on. I don't know. Maybe their franchise Forty <laughs> uh, ers defense right. was like. Uh, Dude, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Bears acquired one I of those hate guys because they're ready. The Chicago Bears because, the, Chicago Bears. <laughs> because the Bears because are ready. The Question Bears mark? are. Yeah. Like uh, you know, building you're for the future. I guess. To win anything. So Never. you had that. You also have a bunch of quarterbacks either injured or being replaced. I uh, hate it for Kirk Cousins. He's out for the year. Torn Achilles. Uh, the Vikings had won three straight. They were, they were coming alive. I, I don't know why. Justin Jefferson being out instigated success. Sometimes the complaining wide receiver is not great for the chemistry. That's the only thing I've got there on how they became winners of three straight. But got to 500 yet now. Cousins is out. They did acquire Josh Dobbs. I don't know if he'll start against Atlanta this weekend. But uh, Dobbs coming over from Arizona as Kyler Murray gets near, which is going to be a change for Arizona. You have the change in Atlanta. Ritter went out under concussion protocol. I believe was cleared to return. Yes, but Heineke he Heineke stayed in because everyone could see the offense was functioning uh, much better in the second half That's against true. Tennessee. So they rode with that. And now they're going to ride with Heineke, at least in this game. I don't know if there's going to be a long-term commitment there, but Heineke will start this next game. And in Las Vegas, Jimmy G signed a pretty big contract. <laughs> As one does to play quarterback in the NFL, he made it half a season. Yep. And Aiden O'Connell is going to get the start, and they did say for the foreseeable future they want oh, to see man. multiple games of Aiden O'Connell because I think after seeing Jimmy G miss Devonte Adams twice, which oh, could man. have gone for 60, 70 yards twice, I think they said you know what, maybe enough of that. Who so could have seen that coming. I don't know everybody. <laughs> enough of uh, Josh McDaniels there. Enough of Jimmy. Garoppolo there in Vegas. A lot of storylines right now in the NFL.
2: Yeah, a lot of storylines. Uh, I, I I'll start with uh, the Falcons and Ritter. That that's uh, you know a move that probably is is necessary. I thought that they were going to stick with him for one more game, uh, give him an opportunity, especially up against a pretty mediocre uh, uh, Vikings defense. You're at home, you know. You kind of have everything playing for you. Maybe that's why they were kind of like you know it's a home game, so it probably would have been a win anyway. We need to see you maybe in an away situation because that's where he's really, really struggled is, is that is in away games. Um, but Taylor Heineke getting the start, a hometown kid who actually graduated from my high school. So very excited to, I mean, see him get an opportunity. That's really cool. The dude has grinded for it. Um, and so I I bet that's a dream come true for him to be starting for his, uh, hometown franchise. So I, I bet that's really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I I mean, just all of this stuff with Arthur Smith is very frustrating, and and how he's kind of held the offense and and called the plays, and just overall very, uh, it's been a frustrating season because you're supposed to be an offensive guy, and you're supposed to be this you know really smart and and you know lead the offense and call the plays and all this stuff, and your offense is averaging amongst the bottom five in the league in points per game, so that's something that you know you got to figure out and, and Ryan I know we talked about it in the in the um, in the break that you know having mediocre quarterback play probably does play a part in that because it just makes it very difficult for you to throw the ball and stretch the field and things like that but you know it, it's it's frustrating overall because you, you I wanted to see more of des last year when Mariota really just recited he, he was or er, Mariota just straight up just was bad. Uh I wanted to see more of Des just to give him that opportunity, um, to to see what Des Tez could do, but it, you know, it just didn't end up working out and he, they now we're seeing him go through those going growing pains. So Falcons might be in the market for a quarterback in, in after this season uh we'll definitely see because i don't think taylor's going to be the long-term option uh and you want to get that franchise guy in here but i do think that arthur smith's uh coaching seat is getting a little bit warm um because I, i just think that things aren't working out how they're supposed to uh and i just again i just have some some very confusing uh i'm just very confused by how he's he's handling the team so far
1: i could make the argument that whoever does not win the south should fire their coach yeah, like I, I except for Frank Reich, who's in right. year one. Right, he's in year one? Um, it, because New Orleans and Atlanta and to some degree Tampa all have to look at this like no one in this division's that good. Right, there's a couple average teams. One of them's below average, something like that. That that's about it. Like there's there's no one achieving above their their mean. There's no one achieve overachieving at all. And so if you're New Orleans and you've got another year you bring in big money car who has played better than his vegas replacement as we just said with garoppolo but it's been fine it's been whatever but you're you're 500 there and you've got a roster that you've still maintained pretty well considering the cap restrictions but you're four and four you're atlanta who has marketably improved defensively right still has all the talent in the world to run the ball and has pretty good weapons outside But you're still four and four, and then Tampa, who still trying to go for it with whatever's left of the Brady years, with again and not a young head coach, an older veteran head coach, and you're three and four after a three and one start. All those situations are kind of to me like, hey, it's not it's not that hard to find blame in the coach if, if it does not end up being a division title for any of those teams, because again. I I certainly think 10 and 7 wins the division. It's not out of the realm of possibility 9 and 8 wins the division. Right. And you've also got to look at it because we all have this in the South. Well, yes, someone has to play some first place teams from from other divisions, but the NFC South is matched up with the AFC South and NFC North. All right. And so the NFC North has a nothing team in Green Bay, which has not been said in a very long time. Yeah, very surprising stuff. They've got a pretty bad Bears team. They've got a very average to below average Vikings team, which is not going to get very, any better yeah, with Cousins very, out Very beat up. Right. The only good team is the Lions. There's not a lot of divisions where there's only one good team, right. one okay team, and two bad teams, but the NFC North is one. Another one is the AFC South because Jacksonville's legitimately good, like Detroit's legitimately good in the right. NFC North. But well, then other than that, Houston's batting above what their expectation, were. Sure. That doesn't for make sure. it good. No. Indy is fine they lost they lost yeah so and then tennessee is again kind of bad but now they might have unlocked something with levis that's another conversation for another day but again an older team on their absolute last leg so what i'm saying to you is that's eight games and only two of them feel difficult right and there's some 50-50s and all that because, again, the South teams are not great, and the NFC South teams are not great, so you're not like, oh, that's for sure a win because that's what they're saying about you. Oh, we can win that right, game. Right, But, again, that's six winnable games. And, again, you have other you have your rotations of first and second and third place teams, but that's a pretty weak two-divisions play. It's not like, oh, I have to play the AFC East where – Miami's damn good, and Buffalo's good, and at least the Jets are above five hundred. Right, you know, and then the Patriots, Patriots are, are the well Patriots. coached; they're just yeah, bad. Patriots to the Patriots uh, this year, bad talent. And then, oh, I have to play, you know, like the NFC West, where again San Francisco and Seattle are good. You know, and so it's just like you have less good teams to worry about. It's only two teams that I would qualify as good out of those two divisions. So I say all that to say, even with that, I think ten and seven wins the division, or nine and eight possibly. And if you don't do that, if you're the Saints, Falcons, or Bucks, then this is not the first year for these no. head coaches. No, you right. know if Frank Reich's fine, it's year one that's bad. There, they got the first win. They number one pick beat number two pick. I think that's a good win for them to have. Yeah, for sure. But. The other guys, this is an impatient league. You don't get more than two years guaranteed to you if you're not moving in direction. This is year three for Arthur Smith. Yes, it is. This is year two for Dennis Allen, year two for Todd Bowles. But again, you're coming from cap-strap situations where the rosters are definitely still trying to hang on to something in those two situations, so... I don't know. The South's yeah. kinda messy.
2: Yeah, very very messy. And and with the Falcons, I just think Arthur. I mean, he has no excuse. I, I'm sorry. I, I know that the quarterback stuff has been frustrating, but you should be able to get enough out of your offense to be able to to make something happen. This defense is good enough for you to be able to figure something out and make it happen. So maybe Taylor is the answer. Maybe he is. Maybe he'll be able to get you through the season and, and save his behind and save his job for at least one more year and or however long, but long-term, I, I just don't know what, what the Falcons are going to do with the quarterback position. I just I just have
1: zero idea. Um, Real quickly, I know it's a change of pace for USC yeah. South, but we do need to take our break and get to Coach Bruce Pearl. In 30 seconds, why do the Raiders not trade Devontae Adams? Because the <coughs> GM dumb.
2: who got fired a is a
1: hard head
2: and <laughs> a uh, – very bad person. Just <laughs> I, that's all I could say. Because well, they fired him too. Yes, yeah. they fired him as a, he. They all should have been fired. I, I, I no. just think uh, bad, bad, bad. I just, uh, I feel bad, bad for him. I feel bad for him too. You go to play with your buddy Derek Carr, and then right. the, the first thing they do in the offseason is trade him away. Right. Like, I would feel absolutely screwed. I, I'd be, I'd be very upset if well, I well, and
3: too. and his. His mannerisms on the sideline make it make it look like that he I is would just the most miserable yeah. so mad human so, yeah. being right now and I don't mean a miserable human being like a bad no, person I mean dude, miserable is an upset I, I don't want to be here what is going on with my life please get me the hell out and of he here And he asked for a trade he's can. like can
2: I do a, tra- a change of senior? and they say no. no like
3: what like what are the Raiders even like, doing no,
1: they're, they're not winning are stuck with us Yeah I mean look four out of five disgruntled wide receivers are probably being divas but the one one in this situation in Adams is not, because it's like I, to be quite frank, and I I don't need to go full deep dive. I don't have time. But like, there's just no reason Stephon Diggs should have been mad in Buffalo. I, I I can't come up with a reason oh, yeah. coming into the year that Diggs would be like, oh yeah, you know, I don't have the quarterback. You have a good quarterback. He throws it to you a lot. You're a 1,200 yard receiver. Buffalo's in contention. I don't know what you want. You don't like the weather. Sorry, half the teams in the league are, are up in bad weather. Like at, at, you just played in Minnesota. I know they got a dome, but Maybe whatever. Just highly like, competitive. I you know, know. I, I don't know. You know, and then Jefferson, to some degree, I, I understand I the Cousins part, but also I think it loses some credibility when they immediately start winning without him. Yeah, and and I think that Cousins is at least a good regular season quarterback. You. I think with all the quarterback problems in the league, you know, I'm not saying like we need to put Cousins in some great tier, but I think he was clearly getting to the above average standpoint. He was sneaking in the 11, 12, 13 range, and again, I just ask right. you if you're like a third year guy in the league, you know, you're already getting disgruntled. I mean, the team was really good last year and you had a million yards, I'm just saying, like I think it's too yeah. early to just be as sour as he is. I so think. I think a lot of wide receiver situations can be like that, but Devontae Adams I absolutely do not think Warranted. is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to head to our first timeout here of the 5 o'clock hour, and when we come back, Auburn head basketball coach Bruce Pearl joins us. We'll talk about the upcoming season next. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to sports call Tiger 95.9 Ryan LaVoy Brooks Childress with you as we are pleased to go to the orthopedic clinic phone line and we now welcome on the head basketball coach of Auburn University coach Bruce Pearl onto the show today coach Pearl it's game day we're all very excited and uh, I, I just want to know how you've gotten up this morning knowing that Auburn basketball has a game today
7: <laughs> well good to be with you Ryan good to be with you Brooks Um I uh, I'm excited. I, I like my team. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, we had a good workout on Sunday uh, in a private scrimmage against Furman, so I thought we were, you know I thought we, we walked away from that pleased with how hard we played. Um, but this is a team with a lot of new pieces and a team that's going to have to continue to uh, continue to learn and grow and, and get better. And, and uh, we've got a daunting non-conference schedule, so it, 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 it's going to heat up real quick.
1: And Coach, with that non-conference schedule, I remember last year talking about the the goal was to get teams that were projected to or the potential to win their leagues. This year, it feels that there are some more power conference teams on the schedule. Also, the venues that you're going to. I mean, you're going everywhere from South Dakota to New York to Atlanta to Huntsville. Just talk about how excited you are for the kind of the difference of of schedules in the non-conference this year.
7: Well, you know, Ryan, when you schedule the non-conference, you send your team and your program a message about where you want them and where you see them. Um, you know, fortunately, um, we won enough that I'm not worrying about my job security right now. Um, that's not, you know, taking it lightly. But a lot of coaches can't play the kind of schedule we're playing right now because if we're not successful, um, you could lose your job. And, um, but I, 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 we're trying to keep Auburn basketball relevant on a national stage. And that's, that's that's hard to do. It's easier to get it going than it is to keep it going. So when there was an opportunity to open up against Baylor on a nationally televised ESPN game, and, you know, there's not a whole lot else going on that night, um, we had a jump at that. Um, and then, you know, nobody wanted to play Notre Dame in Brooklyn because of the incredible fan base that the Fighting Irish have in New York City. That's going to be a, like a road game. Um but by placing my players in those situations and being able to compete in those situations, um, it's going to get us ready for SEC play. It's going to make us a better team. You know, There's got to be a balance, though, between scheduling too hard and, 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 and the possibility of losing confidence in each other and what we do. And that certainly could happen in this non-conference. Um, or being able to handle the adversity of some losses, learn from them, and, and, and grow. And that's what I'm hoping we could do.
2: Coach Pearl, over the offseason, something happened with your program that hasn't really happened a lot since you've uh, taken over, and that's an assistant coach departed. Uh, and there was a lot of staff shuffling, uh, and you know, your son Steven was elevated to associate head coach. Talk about some of those moves that you made over the offseason with reshuffling that coaching staff.
7: Well, Steven is uh, is ready, and he's had an opportunity to be head coach at a lot of different places for the last, for the last several years. And he's just stayed loyal to Auburn and loyal to me and um I'm hoping one day he's gonna be the next head coach here at Auburn, Um and he's certainly prepared for it. Um and uh it was it was a uh, something that you know we discussed as a staff. You know, Ira Bowman is incredibly valuable to this staff in so many ways uh as a recruiter, as a coach, as a teacher, as a role model. I mean, he's one of the best assistants in the country. And moving Steven to associate coach was something that Ira understood, blessed, and um, and then bringing in Corey Williams, a KG vet, great person, uh, very well respected in the industry, um, and uh, was a great player himself. Uh, great uh, with with a great communicator, teacher with our players. Um, so I think it just add to it, and and then I think the other, the other thing that's mo- as as significant as anything, the NCAA added two more assistant coaches, partly so that um, uh, that when when your guys that are recruiting are on the road, you're able to have some coaches back home still coaching and teaching um, because um, uh, it's th- th- just uh, we're able to train year-round. And um, I don't have recruiters. I've got coaches. I have fathers. I have teachers that also have to recruit, Stephen, Ira, uh, and Corey. Um, I think most coaches went out and, and brought in some other talent. I had talent in the program. I was able, able to elevate Chad Pruitt uh, to an assistant coach. I was able to... Was been with, Chad's been with me now 10 years. I was able to elevate Mike Bergamaster who came in as a grad assistant um, and worked his way through the different you know operational uh, positions to become an assistant coach at age 28, I think. Um, and so... Um, I really, I've got to, I really, really feel good about my staff, and uh, most importantly, so do my players.
2: And then, Coach, looking at your, your roster coming into this year, you brought in a lot of new pieces this offseason, but one piece that stayed here uh, was Jani Broom. Talk about having a guy like that back for another year uh, on this, uh, this program.
7: Well, Jani came back for a couple reasons. Um, personally, yeah, he wanted to elevate his draft stock. Um, he wanted to uh, expand his game. And I think you'll see an expansion of his game offensively as a playmaker and a shooter. Um, uh, in addition to his ability to be an old school back to the basket force on the inside, what I'd like from him to do is become more of a factor on the defensive end. Um, he accomplishes those things that he's got a chance to elevate his draft stock. Um, and um, you know, but you can't talk about Jani without talking about Dylan Cardwell uh, because together I think we'll have you know for forty minutes we'll have as good a five man as there is in the league. You know, Dylan impacts the game in such a way, defensively, in the air, um, making his teammates better. Um, and so I, you know, it's it, it, it's a position that we're really solid and, and, and got two really good players there.
1: Talking to Bruce Pearl today on Sports Call Coach, one or two more for you. I know you've got a busy schedule today. Uh, I want to talk point guards, and not the angle maybe you've been asked already here, in the fall? I know everyone's curious about who will start, but what I'm curious about, let's say we see the best version of Trey Donaldson, the Trey Donaldson we started to see in the NCAA tournament. Let's say we see why Aiden Holloway was a five-star recruit from the very beginning. What's the interest level from you in playing them both at the same time at any point?
7: Well, I think that that is possible, and I think they're both playing really well, and you will see the Trey Donaldson that you saw at the end of last season. Um, And so... That's a really good, that's that's good news. Um, that's going to depend on where, how KD Johnson and Denver Jones, uh, Lior Le- Berman, uh, Chris Moore, and Chad Baker play. Those are the other five guards in the program. And um, depending upon, you know, either injury or performance, uh, that'll determine whether or not Trey and Aiden would play together. Uh, it's certainly a possibility. Um, um, but right now, if they're, if, they're, if they're going to play 40 minutes in a game and they're both going to play, the idea is to have a really good point guard at the floor at all times.
1: And then, Coach Pearl, finally, I know that uh, this team, the, the guys you brought in, expected to shoot a whole lot better than maybe the last couple of teams, but I know you voiced your concerns on the defensive end to start the season. What are some of the things that you're looking for in terms of improvement defensively as you go through the first part of the schedule?
7: Well, the challenge is is going to be simply to guard your yard. The challenge is just simply your ability to stay in front of somebody. Uh, the secondary defender cannot come over and rotate, take charges like they were before because of some rule changes. And so you're going to see guys having the ability to drive the ball all the way to the basket. Now the question is, can we challenge shots without fouling? That 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 skill set of guarding one on one and being able to retreat and force people to take tough twos. Uh, without always rotating, or when I rotate, we rotate over. We're able to rotate over, block shots, and sink and fill on the backside of rebound. That right there would be probably number one in 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 in, in our ability, you know, to uh, to win and be more successful in the defensive end uh, tonight against Auburn Montgomery. They'll have some guys by virtue of being smaller than us uh, as a Division II school to be able to drive by us. And when they do, what are the results? Um, and if we can make them miss and rebound and run uh, versus fouling them and they're giving them easy ones, that's going to be the, 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 the tail.
1: Coach Pearl, obviously we're very fired up for basketball season. We're looking forward uh, to seeing these veterans return, to seeing these new guys in the fold. And uh, we certainly wish you well this season. We hope to talk to you again down the line.
7: Okay. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate being with you this morning.
1: Absolutely. That's Coach Bruce Pearl joining us today on Sports Call.
0: Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break.
1: I'm Jeff Woodaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Barry, with you here. T.P. Hammock running the board here for us on this Wednesday. And, again, you just were listening to our interview earlier today with Auburn head basketball coach Bruce Pearl as uh, the Tigers get set for an exhibition tonight against Auburn Montgomery. Going to get to that in just one second. Tom, I know... Uh, during the break, just learned of some sad news from the basketball world.
3: Yeah, a guy that uh, Bruce Pearl would be very familiar with and a guy that would be very familiar with Bruce Pearl. But, uh, yeah, legendary basketball coach Bobby Knight has passed away at uh, the age of 83 as I believe, what I said. Um, yep. So, yeah, sad news. That's just now kind of breaking. Um, so, uh, yeah, Bob Knight, very legendary, especially at Indiana. Um, his antics had become very uh, notable, throwing chairs and all. There is a very fitting quote, very famous, famous fitting quote that Bob Knight had years ago that's very fitting for right now. And his quote was, When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my ass. Huh.
1: <laughs> all right. Yeah.
3: So the legendary coach, Bobby Knight, has passed away sad times in the college basketball world
1: certainly was an all-time great um certainly understood who bobby knight was and uh, again he'll be uh, missed from the basketball world but uh yeah bob knight has passed away 83 and again as you said was uh, a the coach for a long time had the all-time wins record before mike chusevsky passed it I, I do believe i think knight was in the 900s wasn't he i think he was number one all time um but uh, yeah, it was uh, it's sad news today for sure. Bobby Knight passing away. So Auburn basketball. Want to get back to that here before we depart for the end of the show today. Again, just spoke with uh, with Bruce Pearl earlier, and you could tell that you know he was cautiously optimistic at the start there. I think that again he's been as we asked about a little bit worried about the defense. We talked about that earlier today on this show as well. Uh, I'm just – I'm hyper-focused on the offensive side of the ball. I know that he has been, again, talking a lot about the defense, and we will monitor that. But I just think that coming from last year's team that struggled in so many different areas shooting the ball, I'm going to be staring at offense. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and so I, I, I definitely want to see that. I also was curious about his answer to the two-point guard situation because, again – I can't tell you for a fact who's going to start point guard. Not even not even next yeah. Tuesday. I, I really, <clears throat> I truly still don't know. He won't say. Um, and I don't have a big preference because – got good ones. Right. I, I feel yeah, that – two pretty solid ones. Again, if you see the Trey Donaldson we saw in Birmingham in the NCAA tournament, that boy a that's going to win you ballgames. <laughs> if you see the five-star caliber potential – of Aiden Hallway, who people think is right, like one of the best shooters, it's going to win you ball games, and so that's why I asked if you see both of those things, which you certainly hope so, is there room for them to play both at the same time? I think one of the hindrances to that would be defense, yeah, small. because you're going small, right? Yeah. And then especially if Denver Jones ends up being your best scorer or one of your best scorers, that's hard someone to keep else's them off the floor, right? Not incredibly big guy either. So you'd be looking at can you get away with that defensively against certain teams. But, look, in this age of positionless basketball or nearly positionless basketball, I'm intrigued by having the best guys on the floor, period. And if you have and you know and we know one of their five best guys all year long is going to be Jani Broom, and he's going to be a center no matter what, then you do have a big that you're going to have out there, unless he's in foul trouble, but you're going to have out there. And I feel that Jalen Williams, there's a really good probability that Jalen Williams is one of their five best guys, or at least one of their six best guys. And so if you have those two down low, then maybe you have a smaller guard lineup. I don't know. But I just feel, and I know Bruce Pearl likes deep teams, and I could have asked him about this. We could have gone on, obviously, for a long time. He's very deep this year. I, I could have asked him, what is the minute? and maybe this is arbitrary maybe there isn't one what is the minute limit for somebody like if i play someone 32 minutes is that too many more minutes too many minutes because he has been one of these coaches that really likes to play everybody and really (laughs) likes to mix it up yeah and he'll take starters out three minutes into a game he does not care and some of that I, I certainly appreciate. I do think there's a time or two, though, if someone's just dominating a game where you, you just got to leave them in ride. there. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm, I'm trying to say is, is 20 minutes for both Holloway and Donaldson the right number ultimately, or does it just – one of them just ends up needing to play 28 to 30 minutes because they're just that damn good, and then that's when it opens up. Yeah. If you're not going to play them together – if you're not going to play them together, then you've got a finite amount of minutes to play them. You have 40. Yeah. You have 40 for that position. And so if one of them needs to play 28 minutes a game, I don't want to say, well, Trey's pretty good still, but Aiden's just so good. So Aiden's going to play the minutes, and Trey will play 10 minutes a game.
3: I, you know, my thing – I haven't been at the practices. I don't know. I mean, obviously we're going to – we may know a little bit more about this team from this from the, uh, the exhibition, exhibition coming yeah. on um, – Maybe you know a little bit. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I think if they go a route where they feel like they need to play both of them, I, I think it would be Donaldson leading the point and then Aiden would be your shooter just because I think Donaldson is that guy that can direct and can lead. He's got that more, he's got more of the experience of, of directing things, kind of being the floor general and things like that, and then you have Aiden. If he is just a pure scorer, like what it sounds like, then I think maybe that's the route you go. But like you said, then you end up with a pretty small lineup other than other than Janai. So, I yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what their plans are with that, but uh, it, it's kind of a good problem to have when you do have the depth uh, that you can do a couple of different things. I mean, unfortunately, somebody will have to be on the bench when – and it's going to be – I go ahead and predict it now. It's going to be one of those situations where there's going to be somebody on the bench and Auburn fans are sitting there going, why is he not playing? Why can't we get him on the floor more? Well, you it's know – only a finite number. Uh, exactly. There's only a certain amount of minutes you can play. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I This team has a lot of unanswered questions to it right now. Um, obviously, we know Jani Broom is going to be Jani Broom because – he just he has been since he got here. There's a reason he is a preseason All SEC. He is your six ten guy in yeah. the middle that can block yeah. shots and can score. We know what he's going to be. Janai
2: and Jalen are our, mo- our two most known commodities.
3: Sure, but but I will say this: Janai has been the consistent guy that you can kind of rely on. Jalen, which Jalen are you going to get? You know, Jay, we've seen. We've seen an incredible Jalen. We've seen Jalen that you're like, okay, get uh, get him off the floor. Uh, you know, I don't know that I've necessarily really seen that from Janai where it's just he is just struggling maybe once or twice where it's just like, ew, he's not having a good game. I think you've got the consistency there. With Jalen, you just hope that you get a consistently good Jalen, and then that's, of course, going – that's going to put even more pressure on Bruce and that staff on what they do coming off the bench and how much they play because – Obviously you want your hot hand in there um, I don't know it's a lot of questions there's there's a whole lot of questions on who's gonna be on the bench who's coming off first off the bench you know how does player X fit into this how does player Y fit into this uh, I, I'm curious to see uh, but it, it's a lot of unknown questions with this team and, and that's also why uh, people are not ranking them very high because it's really unknown. Right. You know how how is uh, how is Denver Jones going to fit into this? How is uh, Mazzara going to fit into this? How how are these new guys going to fit into what is already going on? And we just don't know. Uh, and then the same thing with the uh, the point guard situation with Aiden Holloway. Uh, I don't know. We we nobody really knows right now except for maybe Bruce and and, and the staff on exactly what's going to happen here. But as far as all of us sitting here talking about it. We really won't have a clue until they get
1: on the floor and we start seeing it for ourselves. So yeah. so the two biggest questions I want answered, which again can't be answered all in just one exhibition game. And believe it or not, I'm gonna refrain from defense. I understand that's probably the biggest question on Coach Pearl's mind and that yeah. we might we might get to that. And
3: that's the one area he right. says they struggle right, right now is we, defense. We but very well, well, well might get out. to that.
1: Right. But my two initial questions are can they rebound well? because they did not get what they wanted to get in the no. portal from big guys. They, no, they really did not, did not add Oop. there. And they had problems at times, especially a broom. Look, it's all fun and good until your, your top guy gets two fouls and five minutes in the first right. half. Because two's not a big number, okay, and, and that foul trouble is real. And so if they have to go Cardwell and you're, you're trying to get something out of Chaney Johnson this year, that's why I mentioned Baker Mazar. Look, I get 185 Is not a guy that rebounds. But 6'7 is a guy that needs to get a few rebounds. Mm-hmm. So even if he's small forward, whatever, can you get four to five rebounds a game? Because that's what Alan Flanagan did at the yeah. small forward position, which is right. kind of where – Chad Baker is always replacing. So, number one question for me is rebounding what that looks like. And then the second question is when we are talking Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway, I feel better and more confident about one or both being able to score. But who helps others eat? Playmaking. Right. Who helps others get shots? Because yes. they Bruce talked a little bit about Monday not having a lot of guys that he loves to drive the rim. and something he's trying to get Katie Johnson to do more of. Can one of those guys step up as a leader of not just the team but of the offense to be able to create for others because – some of these guys, like, I don't expect Chad Baker-Mazzara to just all of a sudden hit a bunch of step-back threes. I expect he's the type of guy that's going to hit a bunch of catch-and-shoot threes. Well, right. someone's got to pass you the ball to catch and shoot it. Uh, Jalen Williams was getting pretty good at that pick-and-pop last yes. year. Who's going to feed Janai Broom in the post? So I want to see which one between Donaldson and Hallway, hopefully both, but how how they yeah. are also as passers, yeah. too.
2: Yeah, I agree. The, the, play, the, the playmaking, I think, is going to come down to decide how those minutes are differentiated between uh, Trey and Aiden, who can make the best plays, who can make the smart plays, who can make the right reads, things like that, because you did lose that. And I know for the issues that everybody had with Wendell Green Jr. and the stuff that he had with the shooting and stuff and, and issues with that, he was a very good playmaker. He was, he was His decision-making and, and the things that he did with passing the ball – that's that's relatively hard to replace. His shooting was left to be desired in his in those decisions. but his playmaking, I will always applaud Wendell for his, his ability to playmake, get his guys to ball, things like that. He was he was definitely good enough to be able to do and make the right reads. So you got to see who's going to be able to step up and do that, add to the scoring, be more efficient in the shooting game, things like that. And I think that's how you're going to figure out
3: who gets your who gets your minutes more or less. Yeah. Uh I I like the fact that you brought up the rebounding thing because that's something that doesn't get talked a lot about uh, until you get into the season and you start seeing rebounding numbers. You're like, oh gosh, that was terrible, or it's like, wow, you know, we really dominated it, in the off season, That's one of those. It's like either offense or defense. And it's like, hey, we got some shooters and we got a big, but we don't talk about rebounding. Um, if you go to a situation where you're playing a small lineup, like if you're playing Donaldson um, uh, and uh, Holloway, and so you're talking small, sure, you got Jani down low, but if they if a team does a good enough job of boxing him out, which obviously if you go small like that, they're going to try to get as many guys on him to keep him away from the basket as possible. Who is going to be the physical presence that can get in there and, and bang around? And I don't, because there's, do you have that? Do you have that guy that can, that is just hell on wheels? Right, get in there and, and bang around. If they have pushed Janai out of the picture, or or if he is in foul trouble or something, do you have somebody else that can get in there and bang around and be dominant? To pull those rebounds out, to get those tough second-half baskets, especially if you're going small, if you're trying to post small shooters, yeah. is,
2: well, that's just I it. think that's on Jalen to start stepping up and doing, it, and this is an opportunity for him. Because, I mean, he's big enough, he's got the athleticism, right. I, I, think th- I think that falls on him. I do, I do. Is he
3: willing to do that, and that's I'd, the I thing. I think he it, should it, be.
2: I would assume that Bruce is pushing him to be able to do that. Since, right. the, since Auburn didn't go into the portal and get that right. next big guy, I think it falls on on uh, uh, Jalen to be able to do that and help out Jani in those hmm. rebounding situations. I, I I hate to
3: harp on such you know old stuff, but I mean again the situation it, it that's what burns to me. It burns so bad that Johan Traor was such a bust because I felt like he was a guy, or at least he was supposed to be a guy that could kind of offset some of that. Um, he, you know, have Jani as like your your big, but Traor could have been your
1: complimentary your
3: complimentary muscle down low that could do something and just to be an absolute bust like that really kind of puts you in a in a spot that you don't like and then of course you miss out on the portal with some guys that you thought could maybe help there so now you're having to try to offset some things and, and and figure it out but you know, maybe Jalen is the guy, but they're going—they're gonna have to have somebody that can be a physical force inside, and not just rely on Jiny because again, we've talked about if he gets in foul trouble, you've got to have somebody that can get in there and do that. If teams really focus on doubling him and getting him, you know, in bad situations where he can't get there, you've got to have that other physical presence and not just rely on the
1: long rebounds that uh that smaller guys sometimes do so and one other name i'll throw out there don't know how much he's going to play but could be brought in to compete for those backup minutes uh, darren scott six nine two zero seven 207 uh junior forward okay. out of juco averaged seven rebounds a game in juco right. again i'm not promising you anything but sure. i think it's someone that's going to get some rotational minutes in the backup three or four or backup four or five spot, just depending on yep. cardwell and chris moore and and those guys. Tom wanna to give you twenty, Chris Moore, that's enough. Yeah, like Chris it. Moore, he's usually somebody yeah. smaller in, in but, height, but but physical, but he's physical. physical. Yeah. Chris
3: Moore is definitely a physical yeah. type guy.
1: Uh, I want to give you twenty seconds real quick, Tom Auburn Vandy, what you think?
3: I, I think Auburn wins it. Um I I don't think Auburn's gonna run away with it and just blast them out of the stadium, but I, I think they will win convincingly enough that it'll be one of those that will come in here and be like, hey, you know, they took care of business. You know, maybe some things here or there that we don't like, but for the most part, we like it. Um, uh, Vandy's just giving up a lot of points. I think Auburn's offense is going to do – I think they're going to carry over what happened with Mississippi State, and I think they'll be able to carry that over to Vanderbilt, and they'll come out of there with a win. It should be entertaining. Uh, All 20,000 people there. Yeah. Probably feel eight. like
1: a Texas high school game, yeah, or something like that. Probably
3: ten or eleven of that Auburn fans. Yeah, yeah,
1: probably. So that's going to wrap up the show for today. Real quickly, I just want to mention for the uh, nightly TV guy presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, Ball State, Ball State, and Bowling Green, six o'clock on ESPN two. National Hockey League, Buffalo Sabers, excuse me, Philadelphia. Flyers, 6 p.m. TNT, Kent State and Akron, 6.30 on ESPNU. you got Atlanta United, Columbus Crew in the playoffs, 6.30 FS1, and New Orleans Pelicans, Oklahoma City Thunder, 6.45 ESPN, and Game 5 of the World Series, Texas Rangers and Arizona Diamondbacks, three games to one. The Rangers lead things trying to finish it off on Fox tonight that will do it for the show today cam barry thank you for being here this afternoon we'll see you again on friday
2: glad to be here see you on friday
1: and tom peavy thank you for being here today we'll see you again next week i will be here be ready to go yes sir and don't forget the high school coaches show coming up next from the end zone bar and grill where brooks childress hosting that as always we want to thank all those that tuned in and called in and appreciate headman's basketball coach bruce pearl for joining us on the show today for T.P. Hammett, Cam Barry, and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.